Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. The Holy Trinity is all together right now. We're getting John Falkowski on in just one moment. And, of course, I am, you know what? This is the third straight week that I have done this. <laughs> I forgot to solo myself out for a minute. Oh, there we go. There is Mr. John Falkowski. But let's get you up in your, in your corner where you are. Guys, I am, of course, your host, Mr. Mark Williams. And I am joined by the man who's been eating his favorite meal of the week, Crow, Mr. John Falkowski. Oh, how pleasant of a surprise is this? Mr. Mark <laughs> Williams giving himself a nice little pat on the back like I told him to. Well, I'll get into the pat on the back in a moment. And a man who is just rejoicing from seeing some good hockey as of late, Mr. Anthony Rolacro. Yes, um, but most importantly... Uh, rip to Jethro Clark Gillies. He'll be missed. Yeah, it's uh, not every day. I mean, we had it back there in the summer when Roger Bear passed. But, uh, you know, you get you get Hall of Famers. You, you realize how special your organization is. And the Islanders had a, a plethora around that time. And uh, But before we actually get into that, I just want to say, somebody said Chris Kreider was going to score 30 goals this year. I, I I just want to you know keep keep doing that. Thank you for John for the shout out during the the final buzzer. More on that later. But our lead story is just that the Islanders say goodbye to Clark Gillies. Uh, he lost a. Uh, can I say it's a battle with cancer now? They announced that. Yeah, his yeah. daughter his daughter put on Twitter like a heartfelt message tribute to him, and she mentioned she didn't get specifics. But she said it was a brief, aggressive bout with cancer. Yeah, and uh, I have a friend of mine, I have several friends of mine that work over at UBS Arena, but I have a friend of mine that just saw him two weeks ago and said he was in good spirits uh, right to the end. And he was a fighter. That's what he did. That's what he did. And uh, amazing, amazing player. Uh, Clark Gillies, uh, among uh, all of his accomplishments, of course, winning four Stanley Cups, but he also created the Clark Gillies Foundation, which is a non-for-profit corporation that assists physically in development, developing our financially challenged uh, children. Uh, current and former Islanders honor Gillies. Uh, Matt Martin said, I think he epitomized everything that New York Islander is. Brian Trottier has said, I played some left field and second base. Clark, he played third base and caught. It really wasn't fair. He was built like the Marlboro Man, V-shaped, scary, and what a ball player. And I love this. The only time that they ever fought, uh, according to Trottier, was when Gilly said when Trottier would fight, he, he would yell at him and say, number one, you're an ugly fighter, and number two, if you hurt your hands, you're out for eight weeks, and I miss my bonuses. <laughs> And Saturday night, before taking a question, I know he should not be named, but uh, former captain John Devera said he was tremendous to me in my time here and obviously made a hell of an impact on and off the ice. And, of course, uh, I think this is a great line that says it all. Um, Rangers coach Gerard Gallant, as a kid growing up, I wanted to be Clark Gillies. So, Anthony, you're the one that put up quite the memorable uh, memorial to him on your Facebook page. Go on. Yeah, um, it was it was a gut punch to say the least, fellas. Um, you know, when anyone loses their life, it's really sad. Uh, but you know, when it's a legend on your favorite team, you guys went through a Roger Bear 
Um, you know, it, it's it's tough. And I think what makes it you know, a lot harder in this case is Clark Gillies was 67 years old. He's a young man, guys. Um, and, you know, I was at the home opener for Belmont. He was there. You would have never thought there was anything wrong with him. He looked he looked healthy. He looked vibrant. Um, it's just, uh, you know, and listen, it's his personal preference. Obviously, he wanted to keep his battle of cancer private. Um, no problems with that. But I think that's why everyone was, was so shocked about it. Um, you know, we all know that Mike Bossy's battling lung cancer. The team announced that, in the, I think it was in the summertime. But again, there was no inkling that Clark Gillies was sick. So um, the news broke right after the Islander game. Uh, I forget who they're playing already, but they won the game. And Shannon Hogan broke it on the post game. And I walked away from my TV a little bit. And like, you can tell she was fighting back tears. And the camera was up on the banners. And at first, it didn't click. I didn't think there was any possible way he could just die like that. So originally, I thought maybe. He was breaking that his wife passed or something like that. Um, and then as she got talking more, I realized it was Clark himself. And, um, yeah, it was a it was a terrible, terrible feeling. Um, you know, I met him outside the Barclays Center in that picture I posted, and it was before the first round against Florida in 2016. Um, you know, he was greeting fans, uh, you know, talking to everybody. And what you heard everybody say about him, he was a really nice guy, Um Big, big, big player in the community with this foundation. And, you know, obviously all his accomplishments on the ice. He really pioneered that power forward position. Um, he, he was, you know, Philip, by the way, thank you for doing that wonderful tribute on your show. I had a hockey game that night, so I couldn't do that. But um, you did that well done um, for Ranger fan. I remember Clark Gillies like that and all his accomplishments was nice. Um, you know, but... He, he was a guy that he would score 35 goals and then he kicked the shit out of you if he had to. Um, and what's most yeah. impressive about it is he never, he never amassed more than I think 96 penalty minutes in a season, never went over a hundred. Um, just goes to show the type of game that he played. Uh, so yeah, he, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna be missed um, by a lot of people. Um, he touched a lot of people and um, hopefully, you know, the Islanders can at least, you know, finish their season strong here and, you know, do it for Clark for here on out. But yeah, it, it, um, it was difficult news for, for the whole fan base and hockey world for sure. We'll get into the, the current Islanders in a moment, but Phil, your thoughts on Clark Gillies. I don't know how much I can really say that I didn't say the other night when, when I did it, I, I mean, he was one of the driving forces on that team, uh, on those, all, all those dynasty teams. I mean, from the seventies into the, into the eighties up until when Edmonton finally dethroned them. I mean, they were the, the he might've been the heart and soul of that team. If you want to argue Dennis pop fan, sure. I, I, I'd listen to that. If you want to argue Mike Bossy because of how tremendous of a scorer he was, I'd, I'd listen to that too. But I, I mean, I, I guarantee you that if you really put a gun to all those guys on those teams heads, they'd probably tell you that Clark Gillies was probably the heart and soul of that team. Um, he was a guy who went out and, and a lot of Ranger fans, you probably remember Ed Hospital, boxcar. Yeah. Clark Gillies absolutely destroyed him in a fight. And, and it was one of the most one-sided ass whippings I think we've seen in NHL history. So that just goes to show you how tough of a, of a man that Clark Gillies was. And, and uh, Brian Trottier's quote about him being built like the Marvel man. This is pretty much on point with what he said there. But, um, <laughs> From what I've heard from Anthony, I've, I've heard many times from Anthony how, how nice of a guy Clark Gillies is. Heard from my uncles, the stories that they would tell about him and just, you know what? 
And, and another funny little bit is, is that Clark Gillies once finished top 10 in Selkie voting, finished sixth overall in Selkie voting while scoring 91 points and 30 goals in a season. Like that just goes to show you how good of a player he actually was. And if he was relied upon more offensively, uh, I think that his numbers probably would have been better throughout his career if he, he, he was more of, in more of a little more of an offensive role because he could absolutely score. So uh, Clark Gillies, legend, like I said, feared and revered by all. So rest in peace. Well, one thing I got to remark about, and we were talking about this before we went to air, is that Clark Gillies was in the generation of players that they would engage with the fans so often and they would play a game – and then go across the street to the bar and just have drinks. Yep. And usually the fans were there. So yep. that's that's one thing that kind of isn't as there as much anymore when the, the professional athlete really uh, started booming in their salaries. I do have to say, Anthony, um, as I usually kick my camera like an idiot, um, you just said something that's so surprising to me. And it's surprising also because uh, Butch Goring had one of the more surprising statistics that the guy could be one of the best defensive centers of all time. And um, he never amassed, or he had, he had I think, five seasons with eight penalty minutes or fewer. Clark Gillies never amassed more than 96 penalty minutes in a season? Yeah. Wow. There are not yeah. often where statistics blow my mind. That's one of them. Because you're talking about a guy that played during the Dave Schultz era where uh, the Flyers were ready to just throw down with anybody. Clearly, um, to, to borrow a line from Chris Nyland, uh, there were no takers when it came to Gillies. <laughs> he might have offered fights, and they were just like, nope, nope. And, nah. Yeah, I mean the only the only comparable I could think of in terms of like Gillies in terms of how that that worked was probably George Larock. And George Larock's like the second half of his career because no one wanted to fight him. But Clark Gillies was ten times more skilled than George Larock. Was yeah. actually good in his own zone defensively, and he was a big leader on those teams. So I, he's one of the most complete players I think the game has really ever seen. I was trying to think of a comparable to a today player for him, but anybody I thought about would not be a uh, compliment to Clark Gillies. So, uh, no. So we're just going to go off from that. Uh, but the, the current Islanders are playing and they are over 500 for the first time since November. They are 7-2-1 in their last 10. They sit in sixth place, and I don't have to put any quotes next to it, Anthony. Right now, they're in sixth place, and I think they're only uh, two points out of fifth uh, to jump over Columbus. One that point. is correct. Yeah. One point. That's why I had to yeah. double-check that. With. They have several <laughs> games in hand. Goal differential is getting closer to zero, and Matt Barzell is leading the way and four, four more points in his last four games. Are the Islanders back? Well, one, one, before I address that, one la one thing I, I didn't get to say before we finished on Gillies. I don't know if any of you guys know this, but he signed with the Houston Astros in 1972 and played minor league baseball before he uh, played hockey. Um, just goes to show what type of athlete he was. I had no idea he played baseball. Right. This is wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, yep. no. Um, Actually, that is something. Unfortunately, I cut it from the quote from Brian Trottier. He said he was a great athlete. He could play every single sport, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf. 
Um, he was just a pure athlete, yeah. but unfortunately I, I did not know about the Houston Astros thing. I know Brian Leach pitched in college or no high school. He had an 87 he did, mile. Yeah. And like, uh, we all know about Tom Glavin, Tom Glavin, yeah, Tom Glavin. Luke Robitaille and Brett Hall. So, right. I mean, um, there's a lot of guys that they're, they're multi-sport athletes when it, when it comes to, uh, you, you don't hear about the hockey player as much because the hockey player ends up just going playing hockey and then they don't talk about it. But Tom Glavin, yeah, yeah he's, he's one of them. Yeah. Uh, but Anthony, are the Islanders back? Well, I'll put it this way. If, if, you know, they're, they're 10, four and one in the last 15 games. If, you know, if this was the start of the year right now, they'd be, they'd be at the, you know, top of the division, like, like many people predicted. Um, so they, they're getting there for sure. My, my fear is that they might, when it's all said and done, because of their start, um, it might be too much to overcome. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. If they, listen, if they keep playing like this and win their games in hand, you never know. But, yeah, right now I'm encouraged that they've seen. Yeah, they've played some bad teams and they've won. But, you know, they say you're supposed to beat the bad team. So uh, credit to them. But uh, Matt Barzell's playing a lot better. Um, you know, he's, he's – the points he's been accumulating, um, you know, he's kind of – Obviously, he's not at point per game, but he's getting to that area where if he stays hot, you know, he could end up amassing, you know, around 70 points or so. So that would be good for the team. Um, but he's playing well. Uh, you know, Brock Nelson scored his 13th goal. So, you know, he's starting to pick up his game after, you know, missing that time with the injury. Um, you know, Zach Frise, who I talked about, I loved his work ethic and how hard he skates and how hard he really makes it on the opposition on the forecheck. You know, he's, he's finally starting to be rewarded with some points, which is nice to see. Um, you know, overall, I would say their team defense has been a lot better, was uh, being led by Noah Dobson right now. Um, and then, you know, the goaltending, Varlamo's been a little better, with, with the exception of, you know, last night, Ilya Sorokin's been tremendous. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're rolling right now. Um, they got a couple more games at home here that they've got to finish strong with. And listen, they, at this point – they're essentially playing house money. I mean, all they could do is worry about themselves, take it a, a game by game, uh, try to get two points, and, you know, go from there. If they look up at the standings and, you know, really see the task at hand, that could be a little deflating. So they just got to take it one game at a time. Um, and, you know, listen, hope that maybe Boston slips a little bit because I think realistically that's the only team they could catch. Um but those games in hand are huge. You know, they're, they're 14 points behind Boston. I think they have four games in hand, five games in hand. So you're talking eight to ten points, um, which if they capitalize, that would help a lot. So uh, definitely night and day from earlier in the season. I just wish they could have started like this. Otherwise, you know, we're talking about a different script right now. But unfortunately, we're not. But, um, yeah, I'm encouraged with that I see. And like I said, you know, whatever happens, happens. But um, one game at a time. Felk. Yeah, you know what? Anthony made a good point about beating the bad teams. You got to beat the bad teams. Uh, they were down 2 nothing against Philly. And then right after they scored, the se- uh, Philly scored their second goal last night. The Islanders came right back and, and tied the game with two pretty quick goals. Um, so, that you know, that's what you have to do if you're the Islanders. Uh, you have to start beating these teams. You have to make sure you get your points. Um, maybe they uh, – maybe they make a run and they get close to the playoffs. Like Anthony said, it might be too little, too late. It might be too much to overcome. But, I mean, even if they don't make it, it's a good sign for an Islander fan. You know, you want to see this team come back and play strong. 
you know, would, would, a, would a high pick help in this year's draft? Yeah, sure, sure. You you Obviously, you want the chance that someone like Shane Wright. Shane Wright would absolutely be a difference maker for the Islanders going forward. But at the same time, the Islanders, this is kind of a weird season for them. So you, you don't exactly want them to be finishing at the bottom of the barrel because that's not what you want this team to be. You know, you don't, you don't want that mentality heading into next season, you know. So for a team that had Stanley Cup aspirations, it's probably best that they finish the season strong, whether they make the playoffs or not. Just go out there and worry about their own games. Don't worry about the scoreboard watching. Worry about your own games. Worry about playing your games. Worry about getting your points. Worry about playing to the best of your ability. And then focus on next season if you don't make the playoffs. Because I think that with the right acquisitions and the right touches, they could probably be a playoff contender next year. Um, whether they're a conference finalist or better next year, I mean, uh, that obviously remains to be seen. We're, we're a while away from that. But at least if you end this season well, you go into next year on a high note. And that's really what you want to do, especially if you're Barry Trotz. And especially if you had this disaster of a season where you had your high hopes and then you take your step back and then you, you go you go forward. This uh, it's easy for fans to say this of oh just tank and get Shane right and we'll worry about this uh, later. That that's that's not the way you want it to work. You want the organization to know that you're committed to winning and that's what matters the most is winning, because then you end up being the Arizona Coyotes and perpetually rebuilding all the time. That's not going to work. And the New York Islanders. If they go on a run, and it looks like it looks like they're putting it all together, guys, it, it really does. But I'm not sure if the schedule is going to cooperate with them on that. I've I've been vocal about those two West Coast trips coming up. But if they end up going on and making a run and missing the playoffs by one point, you're going to get a lot of those players coming back, chomping at the bit, and then can't wait to go do better next year. And that's, that's what you, you want this organization to be that hungry again. And th- th- that'll happen. And then it's another year. Then you could also develop some of the other players you got right now. More on that. When we get to the bar talk segment and get them ready for next year and another playoff push, and maybe even make a free agent signing or two with a salary cap room that they got next year. Anthony uh, finish this off for us. I, I think um, you know you guys a lot of, said a lot of a lot of good things there. Um, I think Ryan Pollock coming back is going to be big. Um, they can try to get back to the Pollock Pellick pair, which which should help them. Um, Pollock eats a lot of minutes for him for them, so that will be nice to have him back in the lineup. Um, so that is certainly a good thing. Um, and it's just about more. I think more continuity. I think I think Trot, like for instance, Trotz the other night he scratched. Oliver Wallstrom because he, he didn't like a pass he made uh, in the game against Arizona. He's too um, hard on him. And then yeah, he he is too hard on him. He sat him. He was back in the lineup last night. But I think this is a guy. He's a young player. You know, he's he's an offensive player. It's not going to be natural for him to be a defensive wizard and the smartest player right away. I think by by sending these messages to him. Um, I don't really don't think it does anything. Um, I think he needs to play every every single night. When, the dilemma I had with Quinn. The when, same dilemma I had with Quinn. And, and to make to make it worse, the guy the guy is the best like he has the best shot on the team. He's an asset. So when you take him out of the lineup, 
you're only hurting themselves. So um, if they could just, you know, like I said, get some continuity in there, you know, let keep, let Wallstrom keep building the confidence uh, and they keep playing the way they're playing. Um, you know, let's see what happens. Put all the chips on the table and wherever they fall, they fall. But, um, you know, I, I think, though, if they can continue this play, um, I want to say, and I could be wrong because no one really knows Lou and what he thinks or what he does, but I think if they could get to at least like five points or so or six points maybe tops or less out of a playoff spot by the deadline, I think he actually still might make an addition um, if they're that close. Anything more than that, I don't think it would make sense, but if they keep playing well and they chisel down this deficit they have to around, you know, like I just said, five or six points, I think Lou Lamorello may look to add to, you know, really try to help them because the mandate from the owners, they just spent all this money in arenas, win now. Um, and they're not going to give up on this season unless something totally goes really, really bad from here on out. So um, we'll see what happens, but they're heading in the right direction. Well, it's good because nobody seems to be giving up on the season right now from ownership right down to the stick boy. So what do you guys think? Uh, what are your memories of Clark Gillies? And uh, are the Islanders back? Are they really for real? The way they're playing right now, not so much that they're going to be going to make the playoffs. It's just, are they back to where they, to being a good team? I'm going to say yes. Uh, they look, they look like they're pretty good. So we're going to, we're going to get on that more in a little bit. Another team is honoring their past this weekend. And we're going to start with that this week. The New York Rangers are going to hang Henrik Lundqvist's number 30 up into the rafters. And it's, there's a lot less Ranger numbers that are still being retired, but there's, they're starting to catch up. But first, let me start with this, and I'm going to start with you, John. What is your favorite memory when it comes to Henry Conquest? One particular memory. Ooh. Um, uh, I've got to give you the memory that I was there for. Game six of the 2014 Eastern Conference Finals and the safe. And I, I, I was there with my friend Dan. Um, it's, it's funny because I always tell the story about that game, about how he made the save, and then they went to Alexei Kovalov, who stood up and got a great ovation, was wearing like a black and beige Columbia ski jacket, and got, like I said, a great ovation, he was neutral, got his ovation, and stood, uh, sat down. They went to him a little later in the game. He stands up, he rips the jacket off, and he has the 1994 Stanley Cup final shirt on. <laughs> and between the Henrik Lundqvist save and the Garden absolutely shaking to its core after he ripped that jacket off, I said to Dan, I was like, we're winning this game, man. We're winning this game. And they won that game. And the, the save was a big big part of that game that's the the noise in that building was deafening when he made that save we couldn't even believe it because we all thought it was going to be like one of those ea sports nhl goals where the puck pops up in the air and goes over the goaltender's back and goes in so we all thought it was going to be one of those and we were just yeah. ready for the disappointment and the blocker just comes around and we were just like ah <laughs> like the, the, and, and if Alex Goldberg, if you're watching, this is one of your favorites, and Anthony Rocco will absolutely know this one. And it was not good! <laughs> yeah. Which is funny, because uh, he didn't say that in that moment. No, Anthony, do you... But he would always say that, and that, that was like the first thing that popped into my head. I was like, and it was not good! <laughs> Anthony, just... do you have a Lundquist memory you want to share? Oh, 
Um, I, I just, I remember in, in his rookie year, um, you know, him, Kevin Weeks, I remember as an Islander fan saying, All right, well, the Rangers are really going to be in trouble this year because Kevin Weeks, I didn't really think was, was too, was particularly good anymore at that point. And we, and we didn't really know what you were going to get from Henrik Lundqvist. So, um, you know, when I first saw him play and as, you know, went on early in the year, I just remember saying to myself, you know, the Rangers, you know, to go from Ricker to this guy, they just strike gold figures as an Islander fan. But um, I just remember at first kind of his unorthodox play, like his style. Um, Liga hadn't really seen his stance and it was a little different. Um, and I just remember saying to myself, you know, some of this guy seems that, you know, he could be an elite goaltender in this league. And sure enough, he went on to beat one. But, um, you know, he was the backbone of the Rangers team. A lot of those years they were competitive. They really weren't as good as they should have been. Um, it was because of him. Uh, he really drove that team. Um, and as an Islander fan, you have the utmost respect for him. You know, he was he's a classy guy. Um, you know, he, he did the right things you know, on and off the ice. Um, and, you know, he cemented his lore uh, in Rangers history. The only thing missing is obviously the cup. But, um, you know, his number going up to the rafters will be special for you guys. He deserves it. Um, and, you know, it's just a shame that his career had to end the way it did, not on his terms, essentially. But um, maybe it was all supposed to be that way, never playing for another team aside from the Rangers. So, uh, but, you know, he had, a, like I said, you know, elite, elite goaltender. I honestly kind of almost equated it to like, you know, Dan Marino was an elite quarterback. Yeah. Never won the Super Bowl. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist is kind of the same way. Um I don't. I, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. Mark, if, if you can, because Anthony just reminded me of it. If you can, Mark, go to my Twitter account. Um, I think it's from either yesterday or the day before. It's a chart of all the goals uh, saved above expected during Lundqvist's career, and you could see that Lundqvist is literally heads and shoulders above everybody else since the start of the salary cap era. If you can, if you can post that on there. It's I'll, really- I'll do it for the, uh, for the edited version on this, because after all, uh, I'm going to give you my memory and then I'm going to go further with what you said. And also what you said on the final buzzer featuring John Falkowski more on that more in a, in a second, but Phil, my, when it comes to my favorite Henry Glonquist memory, it's two weeks before yours. It was game seven versus the Penguins. It's the armpit save because he makes a save with his damn armpit. We could talk about a baggy jersey as much as he wants, but he closed closed the save down. And that's where you just had this. You're looking at this as a Ranger fan, knowing they've never beaten the Pittsburgh Penguins, the mighty Penguins. They were going to win that series. And you were shocked. You're just like, oh, my, oh, my goodness. How is it? Yes. By the way, that's a good one too, Steven. I mean, that, that's just, how is it even fathomable that, that they were able to do that, but they were able to, to come back and do that. And by the way, the previous year when they went down three, two and Lundquist finished off the Capitals with 120 consecutive shutout minutes. This was the highest scoring team in the league with a 30 goal scorer in a 48 game season. And Lundqvist said, not beat him one, nothing. And then the Rangers beat him five, nothing. That's just to say, to, to go with on that. But uh, one last question in honor of the Henrik Lundqvist uh, retirement is the next retired number on this roster. 
Yes. What is it? It's 23. Okay. I didn't expect you were going to say 23. All right. Yeah. 23 is going to get retired, buddy. He's already got a Norris. In, in, in three seasons, mind you, Adam Fox has gone through two different head coaches, three different defensive coaches, Lindy Ruff, mm-hmm. uh, Jock Martin, and now uh, Mike Kelly, I believe. Yep. Uh, for a third defensive coach. Oh, no, Gord Murphy. Sorry, Gord Murphy, not Mike Kelly. But, yeah, um, three different defensive coaches, two different head coaches, and a Norris Trophy, and he's scoring about a point per game right now, and he's only going to get better. And we're going to go more into the Norris Trophy conversation in a moment. Anthony, is the next retired number on this roster? I mean, it might be. Um, Fox is – the trajectory tells you it's heading that way. I would say he, he needs to win – you know, probably a couple more Norris trophies, um, you know, and, you know, not necessarily the Stanley Cup, but if he wins a couple more Norris trophies, you know, and, and still plays at this rate, it's definitely, it's definitely possible for sure. I'm going to look in the camera and try to say this with a straight face. Yes, CK20. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> after he wins the, after he wins the Hart Trophy this year and the Rocket Richard, uh, he's, they're going to make him captain and he's going to lead the Rangers to, to multiple Stanley cups. No, um, I would have to say, you know what, Phil, I thought it was going to be Sisterkin, but no, I think you're right. It's, it's going to be Fox first. You know what? This is a good point about how like Park could, I don't think Greshner is getting retired. I, I think if they were going to retire Ron Greshner's number, they would have done it already. And Park has a chance, but I, I just don't know if they will because Leach has already had that number retired. Yeah, but they did that with Bathgate. So it's, 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 I, I it's not the end of the world, it. but I, I, it's, you know what? You know what, Phil, we wouldn't be in this situation if the Rangers respected their past nearly as much as the Islanders do. I mean, that's one thing I just want to gripe about for a second. Right. You know what? As You're much right. as I want to say the Islanders kind of live in their past, at least they respected it. The Rangers were just going, no, we're not going to retire. The first number they retired was Roger Bear. They, they were in existence for 50 years. You, you, didn't, you didn't have any other great players? You didn't know? Well, I, I think that just goes to show you, though, that it, how, how, I think how hard it is really to get your number retired. Teams, you, you, should, you should either A, have to be like – win multiple cups on a team or be like a lifelong player on that team and at least have been like one of the best players at that position in the league to really get your number required. I mean, why would, I mean, that that's like, that's like Islander fans saying if, all right, if the Islanders won the cup that Josh Bailey should get his number retired because he's played his whole career on the Islanders and, you know, he's kind of up there on some of like the assists and whatnot. But no, I, I don't, I don't, think that's the case it's to get your number retired you should like be elite or be a, a legend to your specific team so i'm gonna add one more to that anthony and that's being a member of the community and we talked about this before with clark gillies yeah uh, i'll talk about it with adam graves adam graves did so much off the ice was the heart and soul of that the those 90s rangers teams Yes, it did. actually, just the way you said it before about Clark Gillies. I think both of them were number nine. How about that? So there you go. It's um, You get those guys that they're in the trenches every single day. They're fighting. They're bleeding for their team. In the meantime, that's what gets the stars like Dennis Poffin, Brian Leach, Brian Trottier, Mark Messier, Alexei Kovalev, Mike Bossy. Not that I'm putting them all in the same breath, but all those guys won a Stanley Cup. And it's just at least one. So that counts. And it's... 
it, you know, that's what, what you need for those guys. So let's move on to, because we got a jam-packed show for you guys today. Uh, it really is jam-packed. Uh, so let's go on to now the current iteration of the New York Rangers. And by the way, after you watch one of the games, like the one tonight, check out the final buzzer with the man to my left right over there, Mr. John Filkowski, for interactive New York Rangers talk. And check out his good, bad, and ugly reviews that are always going to be on our Facebook page. But you, some of the, the great conversations you were able to have were this week when the Rangers beat the Maple Leafs, the Kings, and, well, the car, the rotting carcasses of what's left of the Coyotes. and But they fell to uh, the the Carolina Hurricanes. By the way, in that Arizona game, speaking about rotting carcasses, Andrew Ladd scored, Anthony. So, yeah. No. Um, the Rangers improved. Like six goals. <laughs> yeah. Actually, he's had a good season after not playing for two. Um, the Rangers improved to 28-11-4. and four. Uh, They're first in the division right now. And I actually, the, those games are off there. It's a little bit more. And seven and three in the last 10. Goal differential keeps going up, guys. Plus 22. You know, and my favorite headline of this week Chris Kreider scored his NHL leading 30th goal of the season. He's finally broken 30, guys. And, it, and he still has half a season to go. Sky is the limit. I'll start it off. I'm I'm just I'm just so pumped for 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 him and the great season that finally I knew this guy could turn in. But how about that win over the Kings, Filk? Yeah, yeah pretty exhilarating. Uh, they looked like they were down in that game. Uh, I don't want to say a slow start, but um, not a great one to that game. I would say probably about a a sixty forty split for LA. And then they uh, they got the lead at the end of that period, thankfully, with the power play. And Chris Kreider just doing his thing. Adam Fox, obviously, you know, tallying a point there on the Kreider uh, goal for, with the with an assist. And then they just got back in that game late. And Barkley Goodrow kind of, like I said, flew under the radar in that game. I thought he had a really good game. He was just in the right spot for what was an awesome deflection. So Barkley Goodrow ties it. And then... We get the shootout because the overtime really kind of just went by fast. I think that's the only overtime I think I've ever seen that's been entirely played on a four-on-four or, uh, yeah, uh, as as a four-on-four with no stops to go back to three-on-three since the inception of three-on-three overtime. Yep, Uh, I haven't seen another one. Because I I, I haven't recalled any others. I I mean, maybe it has happened, but uh, not that I've seen at least. So. But um, yeah, I will. I will have to say that the, the shootout, though, that was some drama. Quinn Byfield coming out, the second overall pick in 2020, comes out and scores a really nice goal in the shootout. And then Gerard Gallant says, "My boy, I have faith in you. You're my boy, Blue." Goes out there with Alexi Lafreniere, and he just pulls a really nice move on John Quick, ties it back up, and then Adam Fox. Our Norris Trophy winner, the best defenseman in the league. He go, he just, he, he does it, and he ends it and sends everybody home happy. Uh, big win for the Rangers, but um, you know, it, it was good to get the the two points over LA, especially after the last game where they kind of got ragdolled around by LA and they just did not look good. It was one of their worst efforts of the season. So uh, yeah, and again, obviously Chris Kreider, another solid effort from him all around all night. 
and he he seems to just be kind of leading the way. Mike kind of nails it on the head here. He's matured, and we're seeing the real deal with him. He's scoring more. And like I said, the evolution of his game, you know, within the last five, six years, he added that net front presence to his game. Then in the, in, the, you know, in the next few years after that, he started becoming better, a little better defensively. Now I think he's gotten to a, a level where he's better defensively than he's ever been before. He's reliable in the penalty kill now, which I never thought I would say either. And now we're seeing the biggest bugaboo with Chris Kreider, and now it's away. You know, the efforts from night to night. He's just giving you that effort that we all have been asking for on a nightly basis. And now you're seeing what happens when a six foot three, 230 pound power forward can play like this on a nightly basis. I'm not saying he's going to score every night or that he's going to finish with 50, but you know what? If he keeps giving you this, he's valuable. He's absolutely valuable. So keep leading the way, CK. And it's, it's no surprise. I think it's the, the, the Gerard Galan effect. But, Anthony, there was a loss that was in there, and it was to the Carolina Hurricanes. They lost 5-3. Alexander Georgiev in net. Do you take anything from the loss or just look at the wins? The only thing I'd say about the loss is that that was that whole, I, I don't know why Gallant didn't start Shesterkin against Carolina and then start Georgiev against Arizona. Um you know, it's the team you're battling for first in the division. Uh, why not play your better goaltender? I mean, Alex Goldberg could probably beat the Coyotes in the game right now. So why not just start <laughs> Goldberg in that game? I don't understand that call. Um, and that's, Arizona was up 3-1 at one point in that game, right? Yep. Against the Rangers. Yeah, it looked, it looked like it was going to be ugly for the Rangers, but – uh, they stormed back. Similar how the uh, the Coyotes were hanging in there with Pittsburgh last night. I think it was 3-3 at some point. The Penguins are like, we're done playing around with you. And they blew them out of the water after that. But, um, no, I mean, listen, the, they they were down for the, against the Kings for a little bit, but they came back. They found a way to get a win. Same thing with Arizona. Um, and that that's what you have to do. I mean, you're not going to win every night. But uh, and don't get me wrong. L.A. is not even close to being in the same bag as Arizona. L.A. is actually a really good team. But. Um, it's still the Rangers are the better team than LA. You, you expect, especially at home, you want them to win that game, and they end up doing that. So, um, you know, good on them. And as for the loss against Carolina, it is what it is. You're playing your backup goalie against a high-powered offensive team. Um, no shame in that. You know what? The one thing I'll say about before Mark is that they they were really outplayed for the first two periods of that Carolina game, but boy, did they ever outplay Carolina in that third period. And they showed what, you know, they showed that Carolina has weakness and has a vulnerability and has an opening in which you can really damage them in. So, uh, yeah. I was going to say, Anthony is probably going to be telling a spooky story the way the lighting was starting to work for him. Um, <laughs> but now it's, now it's nice and bright in his, in his uh, area. But this team, you know what? The, the comeback in the third, that is a game. There are so many times, Phil, that this year I can't help but look at the New York Rangers and go, last year they lose that game. Last year they lose that game. You don't see that as much now. And what's the difference? Something almost since the genesis of this podcast. Gerard Gallant. That's, a, that's it. it that's, that, that's the difference. And he's... He's he's going to be mentioned in for Coach of the Year. By the way, rookie Braden Schneider, he's been fitting in pretty well. Almost a little bit too good. There's this quote this week. Some praise for him 
from his contemporary, Jacob Truba, saying, yeah, until he takes my job, well, then we got issues. But just the attitude he brings to the game, and this kid, he's young and he's got a bright future. So you got to love what you're seeing out of the Rangers' youth. So what do you guys think? Uh, the Rangers, are, I mean, I'm running out of words to describe them. I'm not sure if they're going to win the division because I keep predicting the Pittsburgh Penguins who are now one point behind them still. It's just going to be, yeah, It's they, they need to get to be a, to play a full 60 minutes. But uh, you know what, Phil, that. you – what? I don't think I highlighted that. Did somebody else? No, uh, maybe Anthony did. I meant to click click down and I clicked the comment. Oh, well, it's actually good that you clicked that, so. It, it, it was actually quite appropriate because Phil <laughs> mentions this. There's two things Phil has mentioned in a lot of his final buzzers, and let me see if this rings familiar to everybody that's been watching. It's uh, they don't start on time, or and but then Gerard Gallant makes adjustments. The, either those, It's fine to not do that if you're making adjustments. David Quinn didn't make adjustments. David Quinn was like the captain of the Titanic. He was yeah, always it's, like, uh, it's fine to a point, but if if this keeps continuing and they get into a playoff series and they do in the playoffs, it's going to come back to bite them. So that's why you got to yeah. fix this issue sooner than later. <clears throat> but so, what do you guys think about the Rangers? Where are they going to finish in the division? Who are they going to play in the first round? Because it's pretty safe to assume they're probably going to be making the playoffs. <laughs> so. Oh, knock on wood, it's been five years. Five long oh, years. Be an epic collapse. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, the last the last time the Rangers were in a playoff game, I met my my ex girlfriend. So uh, <laughs> that's that's how long it's been, and I've been single for a while. Throw it all down in the comments below and make sure you like, share, and subscribe. But today we're doing our midseason awards because most teams are at the 42, 43 game point except for of course the islanders who uh they nhl gave an extended vacation to so we have our nhl mid-season awards right here and we're going to start with the rookie of the year called the trophy winner and the first person to turn to is mr anthony loraco who is your rookie of the year charles egress anaheim ducks I flipped these two. Give me one second. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. My bad. My bad. <laughs> All right. And. <laughs> All right. There we go. Trevor Zegers, just as the way we planned. Anthony, go yeah, on. Um, Why Trevor Zegers? Well, this, I know Lucas Raymond leads the rookies in scoring and he's been, he's been fantastic. Um, I, I chose Trevor Zegers just because, um, you know, he's – I mean, Troy Terry has has been powering the Ducks, really. But Zegers has been right there behind him. Um, and for a rookie like him to just have the, the creativity to do some of the stuff he pulls off during the games, uh, we also the you know, the goal with Milano. But not just the other subtle, like, passes he makes and just the way he stick handles and skates um, – he skates like someone who's, uh, you know, a 10-year veteran with confidence out there. Um, you know, he reinvigorated the Ducks. Uh, it could go, listen, it could clearly be Raymond. It could be Cider, too. Uh, this one's really kind of like a toss-up, but um, I just decided to go with Trevor Zegers. Filk, who is your Rookie of the Year? 
Lucas Raymond. And if you look at it, Raymond, I know he's played more games, um, and then he has a, only a few more points than Zegers. Um, he's probably he played about, what, four more games, three more points. Trevor yeah, Zegers is a minus 11 on a better team. Lucas Raymond is an even rating. And I know that plus minus is not a great, uh, you know, uh, a great way to talk about defensive players, and I'm not even gauging defense by this. But the fact that Lucas Raymond is the leading scorer on his team, has a better rating on a worse team, and is really the driving offensive force when you can argue that Trevor Zegers isn't the driving force in Anaheim. Uh, to me, it's a, it's a no-brainer for Lucas Raymond in this argument. The other guy that I would really – I would probably have Zegers at third for me – the other guy that I would talk about if I'm uh, if I'm talking about Calder votes would probably be uh, Moritz Sider because Moritz Sider plays top pairing minutes in Detroit, and that's ridiculous how good he's been playing 22 minutes uh, 22 minutes and 30 seconds a night, and he's only a minus one on a bad Detroit roster while scoring at over a 40 point pace for a defenseman. That's amazing. Well, I guess that brings me to my rookie of the year, who is Moritz Sider. But <laughs> I guess Sorry. I don't have to say anything now. What what a what a way to go. Um Moritz Sider was my rookie of the year pick to start the season, and he's gonna still be there in the middle because yes, he's getting top pairing minutes, and also to get 26 points from the back end is phenomenal, especially for a first year player. So uh we're gonna be uh, moving on slowly to to there because after all, for some reason, I'm getting blurry and I just lost Anthony. Hold on, let's see if this. Yeah, I don't know what happened to Anthony. Yeah, there, there we go. I'll, I'll, at least I'm not blurry anymore. I looked like an Elizabeth Taylor fragrance commercial. Um, we got Anthony back, yeah, which is what it. matters. My, my iPad died. I had to. Sw- I'm sorry, my laptop died. I had to switch to my iPad. All right, I'm just. Yeah. I'm just booting this from the stream, I, although I can't. Uh, I don't know, understand yeah, why it's not doing that. All right, so we'll just leave it right there. By no. the way, Anthony, mine was more at Cider. Good thing that Phil took all my time. All right, <laughs> to, to, to the Vesna Trophy winner. Phil, got to start with you. It's got to be one man, Igor Shosturkin. Uh, he's the league leader in save percentage. He's second in goals against only because of these last couple of games. But and if by point oh one, yeah, by point oh one, and then not only that, but goals saved above expected. Igor Shesterkin leads the NHL by a landslide, and he was doing it with a defense corps that includes defensive liability Keandre Miller in it because he's just been atrocious as of late. Jacob Truba, who's been up and down this season, um, only one really solid, steady pairing. And now Braden Schneider, a rookie who stabilized the third pairing because the corpse of Patrick Nemeth can't be trusted to play any such sort of defense. So Igor, um, not only does he have a case to win the Vezina, he has a case to win the damn Hart Trophy because, I mean, let's face it, Igor Shosturkin has helped carry this team. I'm going to spoil this a little bit because I have to change up the question because Anthony's selection is Igor Sisterkin. My selection is Igor Sisterkin. So, Anthony, the real question is, 
Can you name someone else that can challenge for the Vesna Trophy? Um, I mean, honestly, it's it's gonna it's gonna be him pretty pretty handily uh, unless you know you know his numbers really you know take a dip here um, and another goalie you know gets on fire to match it. Um, you know, you could say you could say Jack Campbell. Uh, you know, I think he's second or third. You know, you got Tristan Jarry's hanging around there. Um, but no, no one, no one's gonna really challenge him. Like I said, unless you know, unless something happens to him where you know his numbers really take a dip. Um, but I will say um, that I, I think if I think if Ilya Sorokin keeps playing the way he has been, I think he could end up at least being a, a finalist just because. The guy, he's got a 926 save percentage. He's like fourth or third in the league. Um, and he's got four shutouts, which is only one off the league lead of five. Uh, and he's playing for a team, obviously, that was really bad in the beginning of the year and is a non-playoff team. And if you look at the goalie leaders, he's the only goalie up there who's on a non-playoff team. Every other goalie in the top you know, five uh, are all playoff teams. So um, I think Ilya could easily be a finalist, but... Um, I don't think anybody else is going to really snatch it away from Igor as of this moment. I'm going to throw one more goalie into that mix, and that's going to be UC Saros, who's had a fantastic season so far. Um, he's one of the reasons why Nashville was a playoff team and uh, why they're going to continue to be a playoff team. He has taken that team and thrown it on his shoulders, and they're not even thinking about Yaroslav Askarov at uh, uh, yet and they don't even have to worry about him he's throwing throw him far away but uh to go from Pecorena to actually if you want to even get more technical uh Mike Dunham to Tomas Falcon to Dan Ellis to Pecorena to UC Soros Nashville's been doing it right with goaltending for a long time part of that's to do with the goaltending coaches that they had before and of course Barry Trotz when he was coaching there because uh, Mitch Korn always did a great job with those guys. We're not going to agree on all three for the Norris Trophy. And, Philk, uh, actually, you know what, Anthony, let me start with you. Who do you have for the Norris Trophy, since I actually have the right one down for you on this one? Um, I'm going to throw a little bit of a monkey wrench into it, though. I, I originally said Cal McCarr, because um, I think he might score 30 goals. Uh, but Son I, bitch. and I, I, w- I would say I would say Adam Fox, but just because I I don't I don't think they're going to give it to him again. I mean, the last person to repeat, I think, for Lindstrom um, and a lot of a lot of guys. Uh, and I think for him to repeat, he would have to like far and away be better than the other guys in terms of points and other things. And there are a lot of guys that are in his that are in his range. Um, so that's why I'm not saying Fox, but I'm going to go Roman Yossi, honestly. Roman Yossi has 43 points. Uh, I think he's a lot better in his own end than Kale McCarr is. Um, I think I think Roman Yossi, for my money, is um, probably the second best defenseman in the league. Um, I know Hedman's up there with points as well, and we all know about him. Um, but I, I think Roman Yossi on a national team, who's not as who's not surrounded by as much talent as some other teams are, like Kale McCarr has a lot more talent around him in Colorado. Um, you know, Adam Fox has a lot more talent around him in New York. Roman Yossi 
Um, it's not really the case with him. And I, you know, he doesn't get much national attention because he plays in Nashville, but uh, he, he's honestly a special player to watch because he could skate really well. Not as good as McCarr, but he could skate. He's good in his own end, and he could put up the points as evident. I think he's got 13 goals, so even for him, um, you know, he has an outside shot of maybe scoring 30 if he got really hot. But at the very least, he's going to be over 20. Um, so I think Roman Yossi should get recognized. But um, ultimately, I think Cal McCarr is going to get it because just the flash in his game. I've said before, I think the Canadian press is going to make Cal McCarr the Norris Trophy winner. In no matter what, they 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 want to give this to to Kale McCarr, and they almost gave it to him last year in an injury shortened season. Um, I'll go I'll go to me first. Actually, you know what? No, Phil, going to you. I'm going to keep the order the way it is. I, I've got to say, Fox. I, I I you know what? For all the talk about Kale McCarr, Kale McCarr has a better lineup around him than Adam Fox does. Kale McCarr and Adam Fox, despite the fact that Kale McCarr plays about 50 seconds more per game on the power play than Adam Fox does, starts 67% of his zone starts in the offensive zone as opposed to Adam Fox's 54. And the fact that Kale McCarr does not play almost any penalty killing time during the game. He plays about 51 seconds of penalty kill time. And Adam Fox and Kale McCarr are on pace for the same exact amount of points, 88 points. So if you want to talk about goals, okay, fine. Goals, Kale McCarr is easily the best goal-scoring defenseman in the league. No one would argue that. But are goals everything in terms of MVP voting? If if, if that's the case, then Chris Crowder should be the MVP frontrunner right now. Yes! I mean, <laughs> I love the reaction, but it's true, though. So Fox, to me, is not only – he just like Roman Yossi, he's leading his team in scoring despite the fact that he plays with Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin. And let's just put a little focus here on some numbers because um, I know Steven will probably like this one because I see him in the chat. Um, Chris Kreider, out of his 30 goals, you know who's assistant on 18 of them? Adam, Adam Fox. Fox. Adam Fox. So the problem with the pro- about factoring into his team's offense, Adam Fox is more important to his team's offense than Kale McCarr is to his because Nazem Kadri and Nathan McKinnon are both top scorers in this year. Adam Fox is the only Ranger in the top 12 in scoring. And Adam Fox is 11th in scoring. So... Give me Adam Fox, and if I had to pick a number two, it's Roman Yossi because I could see Roman Yossi winning it because of what Anthony was saying. Roman Yossi leads Nashville in scoring despite not having nearly the talent around him. So I don't even want to hear about Cal McCarr as a runner-up. Anthony, you first. Yeah, you first before I go to me. My my problem with Norris Trophy has always been it's never about, at the core, the best defensive defenseman. It's essentially, in my opinion – a trophy they give to the highest scoring defenseman. Um, And and that's just, that's just the truth. And what Steven just said above Fox won't win because he won it last year. Um, So when you combine that with Fox, McCarr, Yossi, Hedman, all scoring around the same amount of points, the league isn't going to give it to Fox again, because it's just, in their opinion, 
in order for him to win it for the second year in a row, he'd have to far and away be the best defenseman, let's say, in, in points or, or whatever it is. And unfortunately, that's not going to be the case because you're going to have a guy like Kale McCarr who might score 30 goals. And then you might have Roman Yossi who finishes with the same amount of points or maybe a little less than Adam Fox. Look at the um, comment down there. So, Tyson Barry led the NHL in points last year by defenseman. He ended up yep. winning it on the last game of the season. But he was snubbed. Um, the difference between Adam Fox and Kale McCarr is that both the eye test and the analytics tell you that Adam Fox is a far superior defenseman at actually playing defense. So for me, I, I get it. If we're if we're taking our picks, this is this would be my pick. Yeah. But do I think Kale McCarr is going to win it? Yeah, there's a good chance that Kale McCarr ends up winning it because of the things that you're saying. Yeah. I'm gonna go slightly with what we're saying, and also I guess we're going with the I'm going with the Oscar theory. They usually don't hand out an Oscar two years in a row to somebody unless it's Tom Lindstrom. Hanks in the mid nineties. Haven't since um, Lindstrom. Yeah, so not since Lindstrom. Guys, there's one more defenseman who's kind of emerging to be an elite defenseman right now. Because if you look at everyone else, you got Fox with the Norris, uh, Hedman with the Norris, Yossi with the Norris, McCarr, they want to give him the Norris. But my selection is going to be Aaron Ekblad for that reason. Aaron Ekblad, 39 points. He's second on the Panthers. He's taking all, he's, he is doing everything that a Norris Trophy winner does this year. And that team took a tumble when he broke his leg last year. It's, they, they, he really could be doing it. And I would not be surprised if it ends up being Aaron Ekblad. And I would, I would love it if it's Fox again, obviously, because this, unlike this year, we have, I think this is going to be the closest voting for any Norris of all time. I wouldn't be surprised if this four nominee, there's four finalists. Or I always call them nominees, but uh, they're they're four finalists at the end. Three. So uh, let's move on three. to the Jack Adams. Yeah, three, Mark. Three. Three. Oh, what? Every year the trophy. Has no, no, I know. Every year there's three, four. but I wouldn't be surprised if there's four. The last time oh. I knew that they that they had four finalists for anything, I want to say was the 2009 Vesna, where Lundqvist, Brodeur, and two other guys. Listen, I always remembered the, putting that as an asterisk. It might have been the, the 2008 the only, uh, for thing that. That, the only thing that McCarr has over Fox is his skating ability. And, if, you know, he's one of the best skaters in the league. Uh, if, yeah. And, and his – and I want to say, I was, I say his offensive flash. Like, McCarr is much more flashier and, and, you know, dangles and whatnot than Fox. But that, that, those are the only two things. Other than that, Fox is the, be- Fox is the better defenseman of the two. Well, ask Jonathan Quick how it how uh, Kel McCarr dangles compared to Adam Fox because he just found out Adam Fox could dangle too. Guys, so best coach of the year, Jack Adams award winner. I'm going to start out with mine. Uh, this is another one where we're not agreeing, which is good for conversation and great for content. But – you got to take a team that they could have had their season derailed 100%. And not only are they on course, but they're the best team in the league. It's the Florida Panthers and it's Andrew Burnett. Uh, th- that they could have easily gone in the tank after Joel Quenville got, let's say they parted ways that that way. Not, not necessarily fired. But instead, what happens? You know, I think, I think Anthony said in our bar talk segment back then, 
that he could coach the Florida Panthers to uh, the best record. But it's a different story to actually do it, and he's still keeping them together, even after an injury to uh, to uh, Alexander Barkov. But this is, this is a great job that he's doing right now. I'm giving it to him at the midseason point. Anthony, who are you giving it to? Well, not a bad pick, Mark, but for my liking, the Panthers have way too much talent to give it to Brunette. Um, I'm going to go with Dallas Eakins of the Anaheim Ducks. Um, you know, this this guy, no no one had the Ducks where they are in the standings. Everyone thought they were going to be a you know a poor team again. Um, and, you know, they're four points out of first in the Pacific Division. And, yeah, they have Troy Terry and Trevor Zegers, but – if you look at it, it's not like they're being carried by an like John Gibson's a good goaltender, but his save percentage is, is only nine nineteen. So it's not like you know they're being carried by their goaltender or they have these plethora of stars. Um, you know, outside of Terry and Zegers, you have a you know you have an aging Getzlaf, uh, well, albeit still pretty good, but not nearly the player he was. Silverberg's not really good this year. I mean Henrique Comtois, so they're not they don't have a cast of stars on that team. And he's got a lot out of them. Um, and to do that with such a young team, um, to me, is impressive. Yeah, I could give it, you know, I could give it to Gallant again. You know, he's doing a fantastic job. Um, but, or Sullivan. Sullivan's been fantastic for the Penguins. But when I look at that Ducks roster and seeing where they are in the standings and how they're contending for first in that division, um, I just, I, I couldn't steer away from Eakins in the end. By the way, we're going to do a uh, NHL doppelganger segment, and eventually we're going to get around to that. But the guy I always say Dallas Eagans looks like is David Tennant, the former Doctor Who. If you ever, uh, I'll put a picture of the two of them side by side <laughs> when we when we do the editing for this. Phil, your coach of the year. I'm going to make the Homer pick. Uh, I I, I got to go with the one, um, just because of the fact that. They didn't know this team wasn't expected to be as good as it was. And yes, there are, there are some stars on this team. You know, you have your Mika's, your, your, your Breadman's, your, your Adam Fox's. And of course, Igor Shesterkin is a, is a Vezina candidate, but this team is essentially the same team from last year with a couple of downgrades, losing a top six forward. And you added a bunch of role players and they're actually better than they were last year. So the difference is the coaching. It's it's not the roster because the roster last year on paper was better. Um, with that said, I, I I don't know if he wins it because I'm I'm more than okay with uh, Dallas Eakins winning it because mm-hmm. I think he's done a phenomenal job in Anaheim. Mike Sullivan, I, I gave him credit earlier on on one of our episodes, and I said that he was probably the uh, the Jack Adams favorite right now with what they had to go through. The fact that he kept Pittsburgh afloat. To get Crosby and Malkin back, I think if you ended it right now, I think Sullivan would probably win it. And I, I do think that Andrew Burnett is actually a really good choice too. So, um, you Dean know Everson would have been a good choice too. Who? Dean Everson and Dean Everson would would be a really good choice too. In Minnesota, they, they've fallen off a bit, but I mean, he would be another good choice too. But I think there are so there are more coaches this year that have a legitimate claim to being the Jack Adams winner than I think I've seen in any year in quite some time mm-hmm. at this point. So, um, Stephen, bringing up a good point here. 
if you're going to criticize Quinn for all the issues from last season, it only makes sense to credit Gallant with how the team performs now. Because like I said, same team, worse roster, but better results. You and going with it. Anthony's going with Anthony's pick, the la- I, I, if I recall correctly, Dallas Eakins took him from one of the worst defensive teams to a goal better defensively. Probably it's the, the best turnaround since Trotz and the Islanders. If Anaheim makes the playoffs, I will call this right now. If Anaheim makes the playoffs, Dallas Eakins is winning the jacket. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'll that, say that too. That that's it, It's a no-brainer for me if they make the playoffs. But I would not be surprised if Mike Sullivan crept in there because he does it every year. Yeah, uh, I, and I, I, you know what? This year has made me a real believer in Sullivan. I was not a believer in him before this year because he got handed – some great rosters when they yeah. won those cups in 16 and 17. I, I, I have another I'll tell you right now, too. this year has made me a real believer in Sullivan. John Anthony. Hines, John Hines in Nashville. I mean, Nashville, yep. Nashville's four points shy of the best team in the West. And That's a good again, one, too. That team, I mean, yeah, they have a, you know, a North candidate in Yossi. Um, and Sauer's pretty good. But, Soros. I mean, Forsberg's great. Duchesne's having a resurgent season, but I mean, they got like guys like Tanner Janoa, rookie. I mean, Luke Kunin, Jakob Trenin. So they're not filled with stars either, and and they're getting, and he's getting a lot out of that team. And they're not yeah. just pulling back and doing it defensively. They're 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 on the attack. Yeah, yeah but, but here here's the thing that that I would give it to Eakins before I give it to Heinz. Hampus Lindholm has missed some time this year, and there are less big names on Anaheim than there are in Nashville. I mean, look at it. You have a Johansson. You have Duchesne. You have Philip Forsberg. Uh, you, you have Michael Granlund, who's having a resurgent yeah. year, who was really good in Minnesota years ago. I mean, they've got some talent. Anaheim is doing it with all young guys and a Ryan Getzlaff that somehow defined father time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to move on to the Hart Trophy, and I have got to let Mr. the man in the bottom box, Mr. Anthony LaRocco. I don't know why I'm having trouble with that right now. Mr. Anthony LaRocco, announce who is your MVP. Um, It's one of my favorite players of all time. It's it's Alex Ovechkin. Um, You know, 36 years old, 58 points. Uh, leads the league. Well, actually, no, sorry, Dreisaitl overtook him with a point last night. He's, got, he's at 59. So he's second now. Um, I think he's got like a 12, maybe something like a 12-point lead on the next, uh, actually more than that, like a 15-point lead on the next highest score on the Capitals. Um, and he's, he's, been, he's been amazing. Uh, if you take him off that Capitals team right now, um, I don't, I don't think they are nearly as good as they as good as they have been playing. Um, he's he's defying. You just talked. Phil just said you know, Getzloff defying Father Time. I mean Ovechkin's doing it. Um, he he's. Uh, I, I think for me, he's the clear winner. Although there's a lot of names in the category. So you could talk Huberto. Um, you could talk even Kadri. You could talk about. Um, Drysidel and, and McDavid, even though that team's struggling and they have each other on the team, um, even, even even Igor. So there's a lot of guys, but 
I think for me, it's just Ovechkin when you consider his age and how well he's performing. I mean, he's not, he's on pace to have one of his best seasons of his career that's in a very long time. <laughs> I just had to, I had to put that comment on there, and all I have to say is thank God that your last name is not Laviolette and it's Larocco because Mark would constantly Laviolette, <laughs> Laviolette. There he goes. He got it right. It's it's a matter of it, it's just a matter of sometimes I just I just do the New York thing and never pronounce every syllable or word. Oh, I'm trying to get it out so fast. Filk, you also had Alexander Ovechkin as your MVP. So I'm gonna there. I'm gonna skip and come back to you for possibly a third one, but we've been talking about this guy for the last three weeks, guys, and you convinced me, Justin Huberto. Uh, it's Jonathan. Sorry, Jonathan. 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 Jesus. Oh Jesus! I was probably thinking Justin Trudeau. This is why actors always need two takes, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Title of my sex tape, but it's um, <laughs> this is. Uh, Jonathan uh, Huberto. <laughs> oh boy, Jonathan Huberto. You guys convinced me. I mean, I looked at that that Panthers roster this morning. Uh, the next leading dis- uh, scorer is a defenseman, and as much as a lot of these guys are producing, Sam Reinhart's almost got as many points as he did all last season. Uh, Anthony Duclair is having a fantastic year, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> And I enjoy all eight. <laughs> all right, good. All right. I, I, I hope that would be the case. Oh. Um, but uh, but Jonathan Huber, though, he's, he's playing the part of the MVP. I mean, I would not be surprised if if people look at him and just think, where would this team be without him? I, I, I just don't know. <laughs> so, Justin Huber, the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> oh, boy. Eight eight is generous. <laughs> <laughs> the, the great the great part about that is, you know, you know, just own your mistakes. Own your mistakes in life. That's this is why we are big apple hockey, because we have fun <laughs> with this stuff. We just go with it. Alright, but Phil, so again, yours was Alexander Ovechkin. Um, make a case for anybody but Ovechkin or Ubido. Wow. Um I could make a case for Igor Shosturkin. Go ahead. He, he, like I said, he leads the league in save percentage. Goal saved above expected. He's been considered by many to carry this team. He's second in goals against. I mean, he is clear cut right now. The hands down best goalie in the NHL. And it's not close anymore with the way that he's played. I mean, you want to talk about something. We all talk about how the Rangers' record against playoff teams is sub-500. Well, against playoff teams, with Igor Shosturkin in the lineup, I believe they're 9-4-1 if the record is correct. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. As, as, as a, as a, yeah. So, the, Igor Shosturkin in the lineup against playoff teams, there's a big difference so Igor Shosturkin is a guy that I would make an MVP. Uh, I would bring into the MVP conversation. Um, so yeah, that would be me. All right, and our last category for the midseason awards is our midseason Stanley Cup final. Imagine as if the bracket was already done and they came out of this because you guys got three. Uh, we got division winners. All of us except for one of us picked someone that's not leading their division at the moment. 
Filk, starting with you. Good thing you got that fresh sip of water. Who is your midseason Stanley Cup final? I said Vegas and Florida. Um, I, I, I think that Las Vegas getting Jack Eichel back, um, they're not going to uh, have to really move anybody, I don't think, because of all the LTIR that that's going to help them by the end of the season. They're basically pulling a Tampa Bay, if you will, if you want to call it that now. Uh, so I don't think they're going to have to move Riley Smith. I don't think they're going to have to move uh, William Carlson or Evgeny Dadanov. Um, if, when they get Jack Eichel in that lineup, that's going to push one of either Chandler Stevenson or William Carlson down the line, and that's just going to give them incredible center depth. Their defense plays well. They're, they're a very smart and sound-structured team. Uh, they've got good goaltending in Robin Leonard. I, I just I, I think the world of them, they're a, they're a scary team, and they've beaten the Rangers handily twice. Um, not that that means a whole lot in the grand scheme of things, but they look really good, and they seem to play better come playoff time. And then the Florida Panthers, I think if they make one move for a top four minutes eater at the deadline uh, on defense, I, I, I think they, they have the ability to play at that point. <laughs> yeah, but uh, – that was perfect timing, Anthony, by the way. <laughs> that was perfect timing. At first, I'm like, Anthony sees. Oh, wait, no. He's in. All right. thing is, I don't know I don't know if they're going to part with Wondell to get him. I mean, I, they may ultimately say nope. that it's a deal breaker. but uh, Not not for a rental. What, what if you go get Mark Giordano from Seattle? Yeah. I don't think you'd have to part with that. No, no. Well, Anthony, your Stanley Cup final for the midseason. Uh, mine is Colorado versus Florida rematch of the 1996, uh, Stanley cup final. Um, I know we talked about in the past about Colorado style, not necessarily translating to the playoffs and going deep, but, um, I really pondered about it. And I, I think with their, just the amount of skill they have on offense and how well their defensemen skate in the card, Devon Taves, Sam Gerrard. Uh, Bowen Bierum, you know, I know he's dealing with uh, – is he back yet or is he still dealing with concussion? Problems? No, he's but, still dealing with the concussions. Yeah. He's only played 18 games this season. Yep. Um, and I, I just think that they're going to add at the deadline. Um, I know there's been a lot of talk over Giroux's fate uh, last couple of days, and I've heard guys like Friedman and LeBron mention Colorado as a team that would be in the running for him. Imagine if they added woo-woo Claude Giroux to their mix along with Kadri and Landeskog and – McKinnon, um, you know, Burakovsky, they would be a really, really deep team. Um, so I'm going to go Colorado, uh, but I think Vegas can knock them off again. That's definitely a possibility, but my gut, abs, Panthers. You know, it's probably not the best day to make one of these teams that I got selected. I'm going to not spoil one thing. Uh, Florida Panthers are in mine too. The, the team is just so excellent. But I got them playing the St. Louis Blues at the moment, guys. I, I, I like the way the St. Louis Blues have been playing. Wow. And I think there's a good chance they come out of the West as of right now. Wow. Things can, of course, change when Jack Eichel gets into Vegas. Although, when Jack Eichel gets to Vegas, um, does he ask Pete DeBoer when the team's going to choke? Or, um, or or completely just do nothing? <laughs> so, it's uh, they, they got that scheduled. And um, and Colorado, do they, do they figure out... That you actually need to have defense in order to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, just look at the Vegas series last year when they went up to nothing and it looked like they were going to cruise to that series and then lost four straight. So 
the team that has the experience already with winning the Stanley Cup, the St. Louis Blues, don't have to worry about that. They're playing at a high level right now. Yes, they just got, they went up one nothing and then lost 7-1 to the Calgary Flames two nights ago. Probably not the best night to put the St. Louis Blues in. It, it is just one game. It was the end of a road trip. They were going through Western Canada, and they they were just looking to get it done. But I, I look at St. Louis, they can easily be the team to look at. And, and again, they're about another player or a defenseman or additional way. Yeah. Jordan Cairo is playing fantastic. Yeah, There's Jordan so Cairo has been played. really, really good. Jordan Cairo's been, you know, who, who's been an unsung hero for them? And it's not the guy that you're going to think that I'm going to say because it's not the former Ranger. Thank God. It's Ivan Barbashev. Yep. He's been amazing. He's been really, yeah. Uh, Yeah. And and not only only that, but Ryan O'Reilly only has 28 points in 38 games. When Ryan O'Reilly comes around the playoff time, his game's going to pick up. And it's going to pick up as the season goes along. So, no, he's only got you know mice. <laughs> Rick <the>, O'Reilly. Um... <laughs> <laughs> or how about or how about his brother oh, Cal, God. Cal O'Reilly? Yeah, <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly, a WWE star, Kyle O'Reilly, or AEW yeah, star. I think he played for the Predators organization. I think he was also in Colorado's organization too. Oh, I'm I'm sorry, Stephen Ivan. I I, I I didn't get literal of my pronunciation. Let's, here. I'm, um, surprised he hasn't, I'm surprised he didn't rip me for Shostorkin over Shostorkin before. Shostorkin. No, there there was a lot of talk that we among, we had amongst the the three of us in the off season about Tarasenko and effectiveness in his shoulder. But he's at a point per game. He's got 38 points in 38 games. And he's on and he's on pace for about 35 goals. Yeah. So. Uh, he he's he's also playing really well for the Blues as well. Proof yet again that players can have rift with organizations and also put it aside and be professional and produce at the same time. Hi, Vitaly Kravtsov. We hope you come back to New York. <clears throat> and and, and uh, yeah, they're, they're going to need you in a month. So don't worry. Dryden Hunt ain't taking your job this time around. Oh, so boy. guys, as I said below, uh, Throw your midseason award winners. Put them all down in the comments below. And like I said, we got a jam-packed show. We're going to try to do a very quick bar talk for you guys and then get right to Q&A. So let's get on that. Hide the ticker. Hide that. And there we go. I'm going to take a shot on this one. I'm going to say beer. I'm buying everybody around on this. Oh, my God. And that's still from my reaction of Bryce Harper. Sorry, uh, Taylor Hall is the Bryce Harper of hockey, which he is. <laughs> you like all the talent and all the numbers. So freaking what? Anyway, <laughs> welcome back to Big Apple Hockey Bar Talk, where we gauge NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you so confident that you're buying everybody around? You're not feeling that confident. You just need a shot. Oh, so-so. I'll take a beer. But we're going to start with the New York Rangers and the rumor that's been going around heavily lately. Ugh. The New York Rangers will reacquire JT Miller. Filk. I'm going to say shot because I don't think it's happening. Uh, Larry Brooks hasn't reported a word about it. And I think someone in the Vancouver organization is trying to drive up the price for JT Miller. 
because I don't think teams want to pay for a guy that has 1.25 years left on his deal. And I, I think that with the way that he left this organization and the supposed problem, uh, the supposed rumors about him being uh, a problem in the locker room and him showing up to practices hungover and whatnot, uh, Chris Drury was the assistant general manager there. So, yeah, I don't think they want to um, reacquire him. I think there's something going on in Vancouver that's leaking out information to uh, kind of drive the price up. Anthony. Shot. Um, I think he will be traded. Uh, Rutherford was actually kind of like noncommittal when talking about him, um, you know, when before his introductory uh, press introducing a new GM. Um, I, so I, I think he will be dealt, but I don't necessarily think it's, he's going to be going to the Rangers. Um, honestly, I, I could see JT Miller being a good addition for the Penguins. Um, I think he, he would help them um, amongst other teams, but uh, I don't think it will be the Rangers. That's a great thing, Anthony, because I think he would be good for the Penguins or possibly for, say, uh, he grew I'm trying to think of a different team to go Pittsburgh. back to. I think he'd be yeah, good for Washington, too. There's another one. All right. Because especially Washington hasn't had their full roster yet at all this year. And I'm going to go shot, too, because the JT Miller, I remember, was lost defensively. Um, Python, that wouldn't be a bad one. Sorry, core. I think it makes a actually. lot of sense. Actually, it was uh, on uh, Frank Saravalli's podcast that his uh, broadcast partner was saying that he thinks JT Miller to Boston is the best fit. So, yeah, it's also because it's not going to fill what the Rangers need. Yeah, they could use a, a top line right wing, but still, who knows if Capocaco is going to do that? They could use somebody that's going to go on the Panarin line. Who knows if Capocaco is going to do that? <laughs> I might be saying that a lot right now, but. I think the Rangers' biggest need is still 3C. So we'll see about that. We're going to move on to the New York Islanders. And, oh, I never started the timer on that one, guys. I'll start doing that one now. We're going to move on to the New York Islanders. And Ryan Pol... Oh, sorry. The Islanders should keep Noah Dobson as the number one power play quarterback when Ryan Pollock returns. Anthony, that's your beat. Uh, round. Um, Noah Dobson, as we talked about, you know, he's really starting to have his coming out part. Um, he's on pace for, you know, like a 35, 40 point season. Um, he scored, he scored last night. He's been getting the assists, uh, active in the offensive zone and their power play has actually not as been as dreadful. It's been a lot much improved from earlier in the year. Um, he doesn't have the shot that Ryan Pollock has, but, um, I think he looks poised back there. Um, and he needs to leave him on. Now, Ryan Pollock, he's one of the Islanders best defensemen. He's got a great shot. So he, I'm not saying he shouldn't play on the power play. He absolutely should. But I just think for continuity, um, they should leave Dobson on the on that first unit. Okay. Phil? I'm buying everybody around on this. I, I've said this in the past. Ryan Pollock is a very good trigger man because he has a triple-digit shot. But what he's not is a power play quarterback. Noah Dobson is a power play quarterback. And I think he's got a good enough shot to be a dual threat there when Ryan Pollock is more of, like I said, a, a straight-up trigger. <clears throat> so keep Noah Dobson there. And if you want to use Pollock as a trigger man, okay, fine. But you'll, Barry Trotz will have to work that. I'm going to buy everybody around on this one too because also I think Noah Dobson's arrived. I think he's here and you're going to start seeing the best Noah Dobson and uh, watching him flourish as a New York Islander defenseman. He's better. He's a better passer. He's a better decision maker than Ryan Pollock. Better skater. Better skater. And you know what? 
Bullock's got the shot, but that doesn't make you a quarterback. Brian McCabe is one of the few people that can pull that off. So, moving on. Nazem Kadri will get Selkie consideration, Mr. Filkowski. I'm going to go beer here. Um, I, 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 it depends on what you mean by consideration. Are we talking a finalist or are we talking top 10 voting? Because this I is kind of. I believe that means finalist. Uh, all right. I'm going to say beer because I, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be a finalist because you're still going to have your, your Barkovs, your, your Kopitars, your uh, Bergeron, your Bergerons. Those guys still exist. So I don't think Kadri will overthrow those three. But I could see him finishing anywhere between five and ten in the voting. Anthony, I'm gonna I'm gonna go beer. I mean, you know, I think he's fifth in the league in scoring. Um, you know, they they use him in defensive shutdown situations. He plays that gritty, you know, hard nosed style, um, and he has the points to go with it. You know, Patrice Bergeron. You know, yes, he's still there. Um, although, you know, Boston's kind of like. You know, they're a wild card team right now. He's getting older. I don't think he's as good as he was, you know, five years ago, and that's okay. Naturally, he's older. Um, so I could see him, like, dethroning him in the sense of, like, earning, like, a spot to be nominated, not necessarily win it. Um, but because I think the season that he's having, I think it might be too hard to overlook. But I'm not positive on that. Um, so that's why it's just a beer and, uh, and not a round. But I, I really do think Kadri, if he's not a finalist, I could see him – you know, being that fourth or fifth guy in voting. Um, I'm going to go shot. And it's not because he's, he's not good. He's got the stigma of being a dirty player and that's going to, that's going to follow him around. And he's, he's, he's due for a suspension likely in the playoffs to end his season. But it's just, he's, it's going to, it's, I think it's going to happen with him. So, uh, I, I can't shake that. And I think that there's still the better defensive centers that already made their names. I don't know if he's made his name yet. So we're going to get on. We're going to get back to that and also get back to the right timer. Now Keith Yandel's Ironman record is more impressive than Patrick Marlowe's games played record. And here's the thing. I'm going to buy around on the Keith Yandel record. Now here's also the thing. <coughs> Uh, Keith Yandel, he's, he's, he's just, he's a name, you know, you can pencil in the lineup. He's not exactly the most physical defenseman. He's not exactly a shot blocker. So that's kind of one of those things that's in there. And just like when, when Patrick Morrill broke Gordy Howe's games played record, we all went, yay, he's retiring, right? Yeah. Joe Thornton's still playing, right? Yep. All right. So, uh, Thornton, I believe is, is, is knocking on the door of that record. And if Yandel sits down because they want to play some uh, Cam York or somebody else a little bit more or some explore their youth, then he sits down. Phil Kessel is within reach of this record. So that's where the hard part is. There's two guys that are still chasing this record. I've eaten up most of the time. Uh, Anthony, go to you. It's a tough one. Um, I mean, to play that many games in a row shows his, you know, his ability to stay healthy and his durability. Um, but I, I don't know. I get, I'm going to, honestly, I guess I'll go shot. I, I say, you know, Patrick Marlowe plays many games as he did. It just shows how you have to be good for a long time. The fact that teams still want you on the roster and to play essentially every night. 
Um, so I'll I'll go shot, but not to take anything away from Yandel. I mean, his accomplishment it's it's good, but I tip my hat to uh, Marlowe. Yeah, and I don't want to take anything away from either record either. By the way, Filk. It's not that I want to take away from Patrick Marlowe's record, but I thought those last two seasons, I didn't think Patrick Marlowe was really all that great of a player. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I, I shouldn't even say great because I wouldn't expect him to be great at that age, but I, I barely thought he was hanging on by the record. I, th- I just thought he was record chasing in those last two years. But for me, Keith Yandel being able to get this record in the time of COVID and not catch COVID and being the not lineup, be on the protocol and not even be in the protocol list at, at all. That's super impressive to me. And I, I know people say, well, you know, hey, you might have a bias because Keith Yandel used to be a ranger. No, it's it's really has nothing to do with that. It has more to do with the fact that Keith Yandel, despite you know going from team to team, has managed to stay in multiple lineups without any coach or team having any type of loyalty to him. I mean, he was almost ruled out this year, and then he made his way into the lineup, stayed into the lineup, and he stayed in the lineup, and he's played well. So uh, I gotta, I gotta give it to Yandel. I'm, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say beer here, just because of the fact that I, I don't think it's crazy more impressive, but I think it's just a little more impressive in my book. All right, so getting back to this, ooh, this one hurts, guys. And I got I got more graphics to show you after this, but Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben are hurting Dallas more than helping. Filk, going to you. I'm gonna have to buy around here. Um, Tyler Sagan really has not been himself for the last <clears throat> few years, and 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 Jamie Ben is even worse. Tyler Sagan has 19 <laughs> points in 40 games this year with 12 goals. Jamie Ben, I, I mean, do we really need to go into like how much of a fall from grace he's had? Because this was the guy that in 2015 won the scoring trophy on the last day of the year from Sidney Crosby and John Tavares. He has 17 points in 40 games. But I mean, the year before, 35 and 52, 39 and 69 the year before that, he's only 32 years old. Like, he's not even 33 yet, and he's having a downfall to his career that we haven't seen in quite some time at this age. So, yeah, I'm buying around on this. And he's getting $9 million through the 2025 season. Anthony. Round. I mean, these guys haven't even cracked 20 points, um, and their contracts are going to be a problem for Dallas. Um, You know, Dallas is being carried by – you know, honestly, an old Joe Pavelski, which is amazing, but Pavelski, yeah. Rope Hintz, um, Jason Robertson, uh, these are the – Miro Heiskanen, these are the guys that are really carrying Dallas and the reason why they're in a playoff spot right now. Um, Sagan and Ben aren't contributing, and if their play continues to trend downward like this, um, being their salary, it's not going to be a good spot for Dallas. So it's definitely a round for me. Uh, let's go for the hat trick boys, because I'm right there with you. This is not good. And it's a cautionary tale to teams that when you're re-signing players, don't overload the contracts when you got other players that you're going to have to re-sign. Fortunately, they don't have to, I don't think they have to break the bank yet on Mira Heiskanen, but, uh, it's, it's, 
It's oh, one of those no. reasons why they're they're gonna break the bank on Mirror Heiskin. Mirror Heiskin is yeah, a good defenseman. No, he's a, he's <laughs> yeah, no, he's very good, but is he really at Adam Fox level yet? The worst part is that Tyler Sagan has five years after his de- uh, after this year left on his deal with a full no movement clause. Ooh. So if if he doesn't get back to where he was, he's at nine point eight five million, I believe, and then Jamie Ben has three years left after this one at nine point five million, also with a full no movement clause. That that's nice. that is all gonna hurt. Ooh. M- we're going to go further out west, guys, to California. And all the California teams will make the playoffs. Mr. LaRocco. Well, San Jose right now is on the outside looking in, but I think they're only two points out. Um, they are. I sorry, I have it right here. I think, I think they're, they're four points, points out. Four points? So there was two. Yeah. But um, uh, I'm going to go. Four. Uh, they're two points out yeah. with. To uh, Dallas with two games at hand. Yeah, um, I say I thought it was two. Yeah, uh, you know what? Screw it. I'll, I'll go round. Um, I think they're all going to get in. I, I think the Ducks um, and the Kings are going to finish two, two and three. Um, although they're both within shouting distance of Vegas for first, but I don't think that's going to happen. But I think they'll be they'll be two and three, and I think San Jose is going to make it as a wild card. Um, you know, San Jose is a team that I thought was going to be dreadful, even worse in Anaheim. Um, but I'm eating crow there. You know, Hurdle is playing well. He's certainly not being moved. Timo Meyer's playing great hockey. Unfortunately, Eric Carlson's out with surgery, which he was actually starting to look like a NHL defenseman again after bed for a while. But uh, so that will hurt them. But um, they still got they still got talent. Jonathan Dolan is a good player for them. Um, and surprisingly enough, I mocked their goaltending before the season started. I, I thought Reimer um, and uh, Aiden Hill. Why what? Aiden Hill. Yes, I thought they were going to be a pretty dreadful tandem, but they're holding the fort. Um, so, you know what? They keep doing what they're doing. I see no reason why they can't make it, so I'm going round. Philk. Uh, I'm going shot. I don't think San Jose is making it. I don't trust their goaltending. Um, I, I like Timo Meyer, but Timo Meyer is going to have to maintain over a point-per-game pace for them to sit there. Um, you need you need more from Logan Couture. You need more from some other guys on this roster. Um, I, I don't know if they have the firepower to do it. Um, I like 31 points in 38 games from Logan Couture, but he, again, I think down the stretch he's going to be need, need to be closer to a point per game player for them to be able to to get in there. Because look at the the goaltending of the teams in front of them. Dallas has solid goaltending. Um, Calgary has a guy that was up there for the Vezina earlier on in the year and Jacob Markstrom. And I think Calgary, they're, they're not playing well right now, but they're going to make an acquisition and they're going to, they're going to start playing better again. I don't think Minnesota is going to fall out of a wild card spot. I, I just think that they're going to pick it up and Kirill Kaprizov is the real deal there. So um, I'm, I'm saying shot because San Jose is not going to make it. Logan could sure is big at $10 million a year, right? No. Uh, he he's making an unbelievable amount of money, right? Uh, I think like seven and change or, or eight. I, I don't right. think it's that high. All right, I was gonna say he, it's, he's it's speaking about. Actually. I it's was gonna say flat. speaking about bad contracts, but my bad. Maybe I was thinking about the years instead. Guys, I gotta go shot on this too. I just don't think San Jose is gonna do it. I think they're gonna. Bob Bugler's done a great job with them, but I just don't think they're gonna do it. Um, 
kind of that simple on that. I, 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 I would love it if all three of them made it, and I, I wish the best for the Sharks. Because, you know, I've always kind of liked the, the Sharks ever since the original NHL hockey video that came out on the Sega Genesis. By the way, I'm working on the top 10 hockey video games of all time. Stay tuned for that. That should be out later this week or maybe even next week. Um, the But it's I, – I just don't I, – I don't know if I see it for them. I'm starting to have a little bit of doubts for Anaheim too because, after all, if Anaheim was in their last 10, they were starting to slide a little bit. Um, they're four and six in their last ten. LA is only five and four in their last ten. The guy, the team to watch out for in that division is Calgary, but they're only four and six in their last ten, even though they've got thirty-seven games played and lots of games on hand with everyone else. Going, moving on. Jacob Chickering will fetch the Coyotes' asking price. I will start this one and start the timer as well. I'm gonna say shot because. Mark. Yeah. He spelled Jacob wrong. I'm glad Anthony stops me. <laughs> it's with a K, not a C. It's with Jake. a K? Ah, oh, you <laughs> bastard. Hold on. Gotta wait for my <laughs> thing to get on. At least at least it went it, you, you got me at the beginning so I could oh. do this all over again. Oh. Actors always do it better on the second take. <laughs> that that should be a, a, a shirt that I should make for that. Okay, let's start this one again. Oh, hold on. Let me start the timer. Oh, my God, Mark. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what she said. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. Jacob Chickering will fetch... This is the, the first time case. that I'm saying this. Jacob Chickering will fetch the Coyotes asking price. Shot. Because nobody ever gets their asking price on the first try for anything. Unless it's me. And I mean, and unless you're selling it to me. Because I hate negotiating. But in this case, I just look over and go, no. Until eventually I got my, my price. So That's Pilk. why Mark spells and pronounces the names wrong. Because he hates negotiating and doing the research. <laughs> I do the right research. <laughs> I was doing, I have all the, I, I throw all the numbers in here. Oh, I had to. I had to. Phil. <laughs> I'm going to say beer. Um, they supposedly have an offer. I, again, this could be a leak for something. Supposedly, people think it's the Rangers. Um, that could Please, be possible. Please, God, no. I, 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 I do think he makes sense for the Rangers. And I, I do think that they don't want to give up prime assets for a rental. So a guy with term, especially affordable term like Chikrin would make sense, even though he's kind of a luxury on defense. So um, I'm going to say beer here. <laughs> no, I'm getting killed in the, in the, in the comments. Oh, you but had it it's, it's all, it's all good. That's what we do. I, I, I do agree with this though. I would trade Miller before trading Jones Schneider or Lundquist. I would yeah. actually send Keandre Miller the other way. Yeah, no. Well, in, wild card. in this particular case, I'm still going to go with that. It's, I, I, I don't think Chickering fits the Rangers. I just don't. Not, not for what they would use it for. If you, if you're getting Jacob Chickering, you're putting him on power play one. He had 17 goals last year. As a power play quarterback. Unsustainably high shooting percentage last year. Exactly. Then you don't need him. You have Adam Fox. 
No, it, that's not what you're getting him for, though. You're getting him to solidify your top four and give you depth on the left side, which they lack immensely right now. Your left side right now is Ryan Lingren, Keandre Miller, and then it's been Libor Hayek and Patrick Nemeth. Yeah, I know. That's, that's, that's a major bad. problem. That's bad. That's a problem. I mean, again, like I said before, I mean, I think Chikorin makes more Ooh, sense. Okay, um, for... this, is, this is news. Johnny, where did you see this? Um, which Canadian insider, by the way? Because I, I hadn't seen anything that's saying that the Rangers were out on Jacob Chikrin, So, Well, he's also got Boston listed, so that's another one. Yeah. Philk, it was, it was Elliot Freeman on his 32 Thoughts column said that he, he thinks L.A. and the Rangers are out, but he said that could always change. Mm, okay. Anthony, your thoughts on Jacob Chikrin fetching the asking price? Um, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to say beer. I mean, I know I heard Phil say that there was already a report that one team already kind of gave them their ask of three former, you know, three first essentially in the form of two players who were picked in the first round of the current first, um, you know, just for instance, just for example, I mean, they, they, that would be like essentially, um, what Heedle crafts off in a first for Chikrin. Um, so, I, I could see them getting a package like that. Players who were drafted in you know the mid to late first round a couple of years ago and a current first round pick. Um, I don't think they're going to get like a absolute stud, um, but I, I do think they can get a collection of good assets for him. Uh, and by the way, we could almost argue this is like the opposite of the Jack Eichel situation. You have a player in place with a reasonable contract for a few more years. He had a breakout season, and he could reasonably help your team. But I'm not, I'm still not trading the farm for him. Just not. Just, especially for the New York Rangers, I don't think it makes sense to give up a lot for him. And yes, yes, I know they could use him on the left side, but still, it's, I just think it's a waste of time. All right. Uh, Anthony, you can still hear me, right? All right, I hope Anthony can't hear me for the start of this. But last week, the NFL had four playoff games, and all four were decided by the final play, three on field goals and one with a touchdown. The NFL playoffs are better than the NHL playoffs. Filk. Are you serious right now? Uh, Trying to get your opinion. Shot. Good. (laughs) <laughs> Shots. There's no way this is possible. The NFL playoffs are a crock format to begin with. You, know, you, you play one game as opposed to a seven-game series. Their overtime format sucks to begin with in general. And then all of a sudden, they're, they're deciding the best playoff game in NFL history, possibly, by a crap overtime format in which Josh Allen didn't even get to get the ball? Are you kidding me? You're, you're letting a coin toss decide who wins a game. What a joke. Shot, 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 shot. Everybody. Shot, 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 shot. Everybody. All right. Good. Because because we're going to get Anthony's opinion on this in one second. But I'm going shot too. And by the way, when people want to complain about the format in overtime, don't let it be a problem. I'm so sick and tired of it. Let's put it in NHL perspectives. So what we're going to do, both teams get to go on a power play, and unless you go top corner, it's not sudden death. 
It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. If you're if you're afraid your defense can't stop anybody, fucking play defense for once. Onsides kick it. Do something else. It doesn't matter what the coin toss is. Yes, it does. It matters because they get possession. And yeah, you're, get a you're, touchdown, you're, that's it. Well, uh, well, you know what? Maybe don't let them go 45 yards in seven seconds. Okay, so give both teams a chance. And then if you're going to do that, just go go to the time limit. All of this started, and by the way, Anthony, sorry, but all of this started because Brett Favre had to throw a pick in, 2000, in 2009 and because if he tucked the ball... Minnesota probably punts it and wins and wins the NFC. Instead, he threw a pick. Terry Porter caught it. The Saints go all the way down, kick a field goal, and go on to win the Super Bowl. I don't want to hear about, oh, what about the overtime? Play two facets of the game, not just one. Don't throw because because then this, this is the way it's gonna go because because everybody's got to say oh it's not fair shut up about fairness all right no, life isn't fair Mark, because you're wrong. You're, you're I'm not I'm, I'm not yeah, play wrong. defense you are wrong I get, I, get, I get what you're saying about make I get what you're saying about make a stop but it's but it's overtime it's not their fault it's not, the team shouldn't be Josh Allen and the Bills shouldn't have been punished that. Kansas City was just lucky enough to win the coin toss. Yes, their defense didn't stop them, but at least at least give Buffalo a fucking chance to go back and, and tie the game. Okay, and then, okay, then after that, both teams have possession. They each scored. At that point, then yes. If Kansas City drives down the field and Buffalo once again or any team fails to make a stop, then you know what? Then it is what it is. They, they deserve to lose. They kick a game-winning field goal, score a touchdown. It is what it is. But at least have, at least give the one team the chance to possess the ball in overtime. It's ridiculous the fact that it doesn't. And you know what? I'm really that game hurt. That one game hurt. But Josh Allen deserved to win that game just as much as Pat Mahomes. Oh, I agree with you on that. Mahomes deserved to. You're so you're telling me Mahomes deserved to win just because he was lucky enough to possess the ball first? It's not no, 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 that no. Well, if that's a problem, onside kick. What? Do, do something else. I mean, an I, I kick, start so, over. An onside kick. Has, start has, has if you if you don't think you can make a stop, make a stop. An onside kick is recovered what percentage of the time? Well, surprise onsides. It's still recovered matter. very less. Very little. Very little. Then it doesn't matter. Very, very, yes, it does. Very little. So you're talking about putting yourself possibly in an even worse position. To lose the game because the coin toss put you as the team kicking it. That's well, so I'm just stupid. again, it's a little bit of sarcasm stupid. with it, but again, it comes down to if it all, all the thing is going, both teams should touch the ball. This isn't college. The only yeah. thing that's more stupid than that right now, in terms of overtime rules, is baseball's stupid man on second rule. Oh, uh. that's it. That's it. And that's at least NFL rule NFL overtime format is the biggest crock of crap I've ever seen in sports. Yep. And that's with the baseball writers hall of fame being up there right now. And Mark, yeah. I don't, uh, Andy Reed even said that he, he thinks that the rule NFL, the NFL overtime rules are a little silly in the fact that thank you, Chris don't G. Get to, both teams don't get to possess the ball. And that was the winning coach on the other end that said that. So, well, I'm going to go back to this, and the reason why I actually phrased the question this way, it's not better because true sudden death is in the NHL.
It's the only place where it exists now. Yeah, the NHL playoffs are the best playoffs there is. That that's 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 it. That's it. And there is nothing like a triple overtime this. game where your anxiety goes through the friggin' roof because you don't know if your team is going to be eliminated or that series is going to change and you're going to be eliminated within the next two games because you're staying up till 1230 in the morning to see your team win a game. Or how about Tampa Bay and Columbus with a, uh, with a five, five overtime game? And that was game one. I had watching that game and I didn't even have a dog in the fight. Well, Phil, how about this when you think about overtime? Go back to game one of the 1994 Stanley Cup Finals. Tikkanen gives it to Leach, goes right down the middle, rings it off the crossbar, comes back the other way. Boris sends it off to Ronning, two-on-one with Greg Adams. Greg Adams scores. Adams. Game over. That's game one. Yep. But still, again, going back to this, that's the reason why the NFL is handicapped. Because it's great that everything is... Is all one as we look at Anthony's crotch, which is quite impressive, I guess. But it's uh, it's just no, no. I'm I'm I'm, again. I just remembered when teams played defense too, and you know what? I actually empathize with Anthony on this because they legislated defense out. Now, by the way, going back to what Core said, squib kick, and then this is one time where prevent defense was a good thing. Why was why was the cornerback so far up on an isolated one on one against Travis Kelsey, where basically all he had to do was run, it just it was almost a go route. He just went up, caught the ball, ran for twenty yards. Just you know, no, no, no. The, the the Bills didn't lose because of a coin toss. There was a lot of other decisions that they made for that. So that's just my take on no, that. No, uh, you 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 need to let. It, 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 it's just like NBA. Then we're going to be playing. You then we're going to be playing a fifteen-minute overtime. Yeah, you can't. You, no, you can't be playing sudden death in the NFL, and it doesn't work that way in the NBA either. The NBA goes by time limit. You go by time limit, and you know what? Oh well, the NFL is such a tough sport on their bodies. That's why they play one game per week, and it's a one-game playoff. So let them go as far as they need to go to decide who the damn winner is. You want to play a shortened season? You want to play a 16-17 game season? You want to play, you need to win four games to win the Lombardi Trophy? Okay, then you know what? Go the damn distance to figure out who wins that game and moves on. No questions asked, no arguments otherwise. That's it. End of story. End of story because the NHL, 16 games, buddy. 16 games. To be the man, you beat the man. Like Ric Flair said, and I don't want Woo! Woo! That's right. That Rolex gets put on that wrist because you bleed, you sweat, and you cry for 16 minutes. You go 60 minutes, and then you go the distance if you don't have a winner. So what do you guys think? <laughs> so what do you guys think? Am I just completely wrong about this, that you should play both sides of the ball? Or, you know what, did the NFL legislate defense out of the game? I mean, it's, hell, we're only like a few years, oh, it's really like five years removed from the Broncos-Ravens double overtime game. But that's a different story at the moment. Uh, Rangers getting, uh, reuniting with JT Miller? Or, yeah. Or that. The best overtime still belongs to the NHL, right? I'll answer that. Yeah. Throw it all down in the comments below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And guys, we're going to go to Q&A. 
Um, if we get Anthony back on, we will get his his um his betting picks. Or Phil, do you have a do you do you have an editorial for this week? No. I kind of wrote one down, but then again, it's really not much. It's just again saying my my stance on the New York Rangers guys is they're in first place. They haven't peaked yet. There's still a lot of things I got to figure out. So well, I I I would have had my editorial probably would have been just enjoy the moment. I mean, I think I've done. We that did before. that a couple weeks ago, though. Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah. I mean, because it just it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. And, and you know what? And, and Anthony's right here. Um, welcome to the show, by the way, because I don't think I've seen you in the comments. Sun and death only works when players decide possession, not a coin, and and that's it. And that's why the NHL's format is literally perfect. Um, Chris or Joe, rather, no, uh, it's it just you know what you you gotta you gotta get into it. And (laughs) Ric Flair just had it there. I mean, to be the man, you have to beat the man. And you don't truly beat the man if you're not trying to prevent the other team from scoring and giving the other team a chance to do so. So that's why you go the distance to decide who the damn winner is. No other. It's it. And that's why the NHL works perfectly. And again, you know, <laughs> he wants to hear me rave about Brennan Hoffman again. I, I, I mean, I don't know what else I can really say about Brennan Hoffman that I haven't said before. I mean, this kid is just a monster. Um, I think that there's a chance that we might see him by the end of the year. I don't know wow. how much of a chance that is. Um, but I think if this keeps up, 27 goals, 53 points in 33 games. The OHL season is a 68-game season. So to do the numbers at this pace, Hoffman is on pace for, uh, let's see here, uh, 27 into 33, and times that by, oh, did it wrong there, sorry, 27 into 33, 33, and times that by 68. So Hoffman is on pace for about 56 goals, 53 divided into 33, times that by 68, and about 58 goals and 109 points. So yeah. Uh, that's pretty damn good. Brennan Hoffman is one of the uh, one of the best players right now in the OHL. And who thought that someone was going to, uh, you know, step up like this? Especially, especially me of all people. And I, I was I was kind of hard on the pick at first because of the fact that I wanted a center so badly. Not himself, had nothing to do with Hoffman himself. But go back and watch the video from that night. I specifically said I wanted a center and they needed a center. But the Rangers organization saw something in this kid that they loved, and it is proving to be quite fruitious right now. If that's even a word, I don't know. Which is good because the last time they reached for the last time they were in that situation, they reached for two centermen, and it was uh, Heedle and Leas Anderson. So. Yeah, and yeah. They, they took they took the guy that they thought was the best player, and he is having a monstrous, and I, I have to say that in capital letters, monstrous, because he should have been invited to world uh, – he should have been on Team Canada for the World Junior roster. Uh, I Listen, I, Will Cooley, great year from him too, but Brennan Hoffman is leading the charge on a team that's near the bottom of the barrel in scoring. And he doesn't have a lot of help. So, Johnny, with so many teams up against the cap, do we think there'll be many trades? Mark? 
Yes, especially since Johnny also prefaced it with at the deadline. At the deadline, yes, because the deadline, they have more flexible room with the cap. Um, teams always seem to make trades. I have no idea how Jeff Carter is a Pittsburgh Penguin, but he is. Easiest way to say it. They, they, they'll, they'll always make sure they do that. Philk? Yeah, I still think we're going to see a lot of trades come deadline. I, I, I do think so. So, um, I, 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 it, you mentioned the Jeff Carter trade and how Pittsburgh managed to have the room to be able to do that. Pittsburgh always seems to find a way to somehow get guys on their roster, despite lo- looking like they're strapped on cap space. I don't know how they do it, but good for them. I, I, I'd imagine that it's probably whatever assistant GM that they have <laughs> or, or, you know, whoever their current GM is that took over for um, Jim Rutherford. Just wow. Really? Cause they, they always seem to do it for years, but um, I will, I will definitely say that. Um, yeah, there's going to be a lot of it. And then who thought the Rangers would make a good draft pick from David? Um, they make good draft picks. It's just a matter of their development. Yeah. That's where, that's where it is. And sometimes jumping him past Hartford is the best thing, which brings me to what Steven said. Ottman is going to start in, in New York next season. Watch. They and want him to. They want him they to. Want yes. Him. Yeah. They're going to bring him over in the off season um, and have him work on skating and conditioning and everything like that. And Ottman has already improved his skating tenfold from where it was last year. And you could see that in his OHL games. Like he's burning past guys that, you know, when the scouts and everything like that kind of talked about his skating as a problem when he was drafted. Uh, yeah, I think Brennan Hoffman has the drive to be a really good player. And I think he's going to be probably a top six forward with this team. I wouldn't be shocked to be this third 30 goal scorer one day for the Rangers. His shot in his hands are great. And his shot is just blistering good. Oof. You know what the worst part about David's comment right here, besides the fact that it's 100% true, is, um, yeah, when you got three of the worst draft picks in the history of the New York Rangers on your watch, and we're not even counting, there's plenty of other ones, but his draft picks that were bad, Hugh Jessamine, Bobby Sanguinetti, Dylan McElrath. They're all, oh, they all hurt. So, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just, it, it, it's, it's ridiculous. But, John, uh, I see your comment here about uh, Miller and Heedle and a first for Kraus and Chikrin. Um, that would probably be the price for just Chikrin himself right now, according to what the rumors are. So it's going to cost more for Chikrin and Kraus. Uh, I was I one mean, of the people that said last year I would target Lawson Kraus. Uh, and... I think Kraus is a good target for the Rangers. Absolutely good target. I mean, I don't want to knock the player that came in return, but I said I would have traded the rights for Heedle for Lawson Kraus and not Sammy Blay. And, I mean, I was mocked a little bit on cap friendly for that. <laughs> Look what they got for Sammy Blay. But, um, yeah, it's, I think it, that still would be, I would still go for Kraus over Chikrin, but yeah. Uh, and then 
you know, Giordano, Giordano could really be a good one. Yeah, well, here's the I question. like Giordano. I just my question, my question is, or my concern is, is that the Rangers, I don't think they want to go spending prime assets on a pure rental, and I, I think that Giordano, there's going to be a bidding war for him. And, and yeah, I don't, I don't, you know what? I don't know if I see the Rangers getting involved. Uh, I would like Carson Soucy, Chris. Um, I don't think Carson Soucy will get dealt because he's, he's got, <sighs> he's, he's a part, he's young and could be a part of their future. But um, I, I would definitely take Carson Soucy. I understand what Steven's saying with this, but right now Kraus is having a good offensive season. Do you think he would fit into one of the top two lines? I think that he could. I, I think he could be a good fit with Zibanejad and Kreider. Um, I, I, I worry about his playmaking ability because I think that that line needs a little more of a playmaker there. Um, in that case, in that case, are we starting to look at Kratzoff possibly filling that role? I've said for a long time now that that Vitaly Kravtsov is the closest thing that this organization has to Pavel Buchnevich. And if they would just give him a chance on that line, I really think that that line could take off. I really do. I don't think he has Pavel Buchnevich's speed, but I think he has the creativity, the smarts, and I think his defensive play has improved enough to the point where I think that he, he could be the third piece on that line. And yeah, and that line needs a Buchnevich type player, and that's why I've been saying I think Kraftsov is the closest thing in this organization that we have to Pavel Buchnevich. Just throw Kraftsov there. Listen, if you're gonna try Julian Gauthier there on that line, who doesn't really fit at all because he can't really do anything other than skate and you know drive to the net and really doesn't have the finish, then why not give Vitaly Kraftsov a shot there? Yeah, uh, Julian Julian Gauthier is kind of. Uh, outliving is nah. Outliving his usefulness is like the worst term to use. Uh, he's kind of he's worn his welcome. Yeah, I guess we'll go with that. Yeah, it's it's it it's. Just, I don't I don't see where it is. I I just don't, I, see, I just don't see the I, I don't see the toolbox. I I see a, I see a few tools, but I don't see a toolbox there. So um I I I don't. This is actually a good question, Dave. Um. I, I think that once the, the season ends, I, I think you can – I think he might get some games here because I think I think the biggest problem is with this team is five-on-five offense. And I think Kravtsov would absolutely help that, especially on that line with Zibanejad and Kreider. They need a play. They need a guy that can help drive play. Put him there and let him see what he has. Philip Hedl doesn't fit with any line, apparently. He doesn't fit with Panarin and Strom. Capo Caco fits better there, personally. Uh, and then – Filipino just can't play center. So what is Filipino? A third line right wing? Play crafts off there and let it because you know honestly it's the best thing for both uh, both parties. Well, so, it's yeah you got one right there. Oh, um, that's not good. KHL is on hold till February twenty second. We might not see him in the regular season here. Yeah, that's not good. Then, all right, then you're not seeing Kratzoff, and he probably played his last game as a New York Ranger. So, um, I don't, I don't know if, if, if Gauthier can even give you 20, 30 points a season, David. That's the thing. I, I just don't, 
I don't think... Which makes me agree with what... John, that's the metaphor I was looking for, by the way. John D. Lee, uh, Gauthier ran its course. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I think you, you kind of know what he is at this point. He's not exactly young anymore, and he really and has Joey Keane played at all in Carolina? Not really, no. And then you they, didn't give up anything. A, yeah, they have a they have a stacked decoys. Julian Gauthier is going to be twenty five in October. He's twenty four right now, obviously. So, like. <laughs> It's been dis- yeah, Justin Gauthier. <laughs> Justin Gauthier has been disappointing. It's it's true though. I, I mean, you think about it. There's nothing that shows me that Julian Gauthier is going to be a, a great piece. So, um, and and we he had, he had his flash around like the Thanksgiving showcase where we're going. Hey, he's gonna he's maybe starting to put it all together. Nope. You know who else did it by then? Dryden Hunt. Dryden, Dryden Hunt, Dryden Hunt ain't, ain't, can't be in the lineup anymore. I'm sorry. It just, yeah. I don't know if he's still hurt, but he, the legs aren't there. I didn't say Trudeau. I, I, I know I didn't. I didn't, I didn't say Trudeau. I, I think you misheard me, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> but, um, no, I, 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 I think that we're we're looking at someone like Gauthier, and, and we're waiting for him to take that next step. And we're not we're not getting it, and I don't think we're gonna get it. I, I just think he is what he is. Oh, true though. Okay, I I, I was about to say I didn't say Justin Trudeau. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, it just I I don't see it anymore with him. Uh, and I, I know that I'm kind of soured on him. And you know what? You could say, hey, you know, you're just you don't think highly of him. I I don't see where 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 when or how he takes that next step. I just don't. Johnny, I agree with you to an extent with this. Um, it depends on the player. It's it, everybody's all a little bit different. Uh, one of the guys that I'm I'm gonna bring up in general is, uh, yeah, David Carr started his career with the Houston Texans, for instance, first overall pick, and the guy was sacked more than any other quarterback in the history of the league. And when he doesn't have success, how's he gonna take that? Is it gonna ruin him for the rest of his career? He turned in a decent career. He he won a Super Bowl as a backup for Eli Manning. But you get a guy like, take for instance, Peyton Manning, who you throw him into the fire and not a problem. Some guys need to sit and watch and understand. Some guys have that mental capacity of going in. That's why I'm not worried about Alexei Lafreniere. I know that's been a topic of conversation. Should we be worried about Lafreniere? Well, no. He's 20 years old at the elite level. He'll he'll grow. Yeah, and uh, Lafreniere is a different story. Julian Gauthier just the, the he has maybe two or three tools, really size and speed. That's it. Yeah, he doesn't really uh, use his size that well. Yeah, and he he does use his size well to a point, but it, it, it's it, that's not enough at the NHL level. But he doesn't have the toolbox. Lafreniere, the biggest thing with him is he has to learn how to be a pro. And I know people hate, I say this every time, you know, you know that's, that's BS coach rhetoric. It's absolutely true. Lafreniere needs to learn how to have consistent efforts on a night-to-night basis. And he needs to keep his feet moving. And that's one of the biggest things that he's, he's talked about recently. He's like, I know I have to keep my feet moving. And he hasn't done that enough. Um, he has to work on his skating. He has to work on his conditioning. And he has to work on um, his strength. Those are three things that when he starts to work on that 
and the efforts are there on a night-to-night basis, everything is going to fall right into place for Alexi Lafreniere. And Johnny, I'm just going to extend what you're saying with Manny Malhotra. Part of it had to do with, with, yeah, they put him in. Yes, there was high expectations. He was the highest Ranger draft pick in a long time. Um, and the other thing kind of going with that is we talk about the coaching battles that Quinn had with Kako, and we disapproved of that. John Muckler saying to the press that Manny Malhotra is going to be nothing more than a third or fourth liner. That didn't help anything. No, and he ended up being right partially because of the fact that he killed him by saying that. Yes, and then Manny Malhotra eventually finished his career as an elite fourth-line center. Um, but it's it's just certain you you don't you don't go right out and say that. And they the Rangers certainly tried to get Manny Malhotra to be pretty good. It's just you know, and some guys. Water always finds its own level. It's it, but you can't be telling a guy that right away. No, no, you, you, you absolutely can't. And, and and John Muckler was not a good coach, if you ask me. I, I know he won the cup in '90 with Edmonton, but a lot of that was Mark Messier's doing. And if it wasn't for Mark Messier, I, I know Bill Ranford played out of his mind. I think Mark Messier, and I've said this to this day, should have won the Smythe in '90 mm-hmm. because if, if it wasn't for him, they wouldn't have got past Chicago. And Mark Messier had one of those moments. I think it was game five of the, the Campbell finals against Chicago. He got called for a ridiculous penalty. Uh, that was a real borderline call. He was pissed off. He got out of the box. And the first guy he saw was Doug Wilson. And Doug Wilson was scared for his life because Messier chased him around the ice for the next shift and change. <laughs> and Adam Graves always, I, I, I never forget this quote. Adam Graves said, you should have seen the fire in Messier's eyes. And Messier went out and scored a goal right after that. And that changed the entire tide of that series. And they went on to win a cup. So if it wasn't for Messier's play in that playoffs, in that, another postseason, I believe, where he had 30 points in the mm-hmm. postseason, um, we're, we're, looking at, we're looking at Edmonton not winning a cup. But it wasn't John Muckler's doing. That was Mark Messier's doing. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah, poor Doug Wilson is right. By the way, Stephen um, – Lundqvist was in – he was overseas for five years, came in over the uh, the lockout. Richter him – him and Van Beesburg share in time. I think that helped Richter grow. But Richter really – he didn't have a good 93 season at all. Matter of fact, we talk about the three-goalie system. That was Beezer, Richter, and Corey Hirsch that was in there. Yeah, um, Corey Hirsch was the one that got lit up by Lemieux in the five-goal game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but – you know what? I I think the best thing for Mike Richter was when the the strings were cut. No more Van Beesbrook. Uh, yeah, he had Glenn Healy behind him, but Glenn Healy didn't exactly get along with Keenan. And it was also Mike Keenan. Mike Keenan walks in and goes, you're my number one. And number two is a long way away. Just ask Dominic Hasek how he felt about that. Yeah, so. well, that, I mean, Dominic Koshik was also behind an Eddie Belfour in Chicago that Eddie Belfour had one of the greatest rookie years ever. He had 43 wins, won the Vezina and the Jennings and the Calder as a rookie goaltender. Yeah, I mean, in terms of rookie years, I, I think only Tamu Solani and maybe Alexander Ovechkin's 05-06 are ahead of the discussion there. In, in and if I'm, if I'm correct, also Ray LeBlanc was on that team too. 
Not sure about that. The USA goalie that year. He was, I think he was drafted by them, but the, that he couldn't even get a sniff of the NHL. And Hasek was the best goalie in Europe around that time. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it just, the, the, yeah, when that get, was just an insane year for Eddie Belfour. And Dominic Hasek was never going to, he was never going to be the guy in Chicago. And that's why, you know, he went to Buffalo and then ended up obviously in my opinion, was better than Belfort was for the rest of his career. Uh, I, I just he won six Vezina trophies in an eight-year span with two MVPs in back-to-back years, a year in which he beat Mario Lemieux in a year in which Mario Lemieux had 50 goals and 122 points, and, no, and only one other player scored 100 points that year in 97, Tamu Solani. And then in 98, um, obviously, he won Olympic gold, the MVP, and the Vezina trophy. And in 98 and 99, only four Vezina, uh, four Norris votes total to the defenders in front of them. Alexis Zhitnik with three, Darren Shannon with one in 99. So for, for me, Dominic Hoshik did more with less than any goaltender we've ever seen in my life. Now, uh, there's a couple comments I want to highlight because it's also a pretty good discussion and we're going to bring these all in. Um, usually Phil is the one that's always in charge of the comments, but I, I got to go with a guy that John D. Lee talks about, and he mentioned on the final buzzer with you. Andrew Kopp is becoming a reality. I, I don't think Andrew Kopp is going anywhere. I, I, don't, I don't think he's going anywhere. I really don't. He, he is a UFA at the end of the season. I'd be shocked if he, he was. I, I, and I know that he's a UFA at the end of the year. But he he's so versatile. He can play left wing and center. Um, he's probably going to ask for a pay raise to about the four or five million dollar range. I would say maybe six at most. I don't know if they're even going to give him six. But I really think that he's probably going to be a part of that team's future. I think they would move other pieces. All right, but if. If he's on the market, is that going to be a Mark Giordano situation where they're going to tr- you're going to have every team lining up to get to try to get this guy? Andrew Kopp, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think there there would be, again another guy that I think that would be in high demand due to his versatility. I mean, he's a good skater. He's got offensive touch. He's 27 years old. He's right in the prime, uh, right in the prime of his career. Smack dab. You know, he he's a guy that can play on both the power play and penalty kill. Because I mean, that's. He's he's one of those guys that I would target. Um, another guy, I I I would say uh, Cedric Paquette to try to uh, fill out the third or fourth line. I know Morgan Barron's playing well right now. Hopefully he grows, and then you don't have to worry about stuff like that. But um, there's a couple other comments that we had in here, uh, and where Mike was saying, uh, do you agree that part of Capro's Kako uh, issues is that he's not strong enough with the puck and he gets knocked off the puck easy? Yes, but that's why players grow into that. But Steven's response to this was also pretty good. How does Kaka go from dominating against NHLers in the World Juniors to being too timid in the NHL? Is it just a player? I doubt it. Uh, there's issues that fans are not willing to call out. And, yeah, there's there's some issues, and I think that's... Kaka was the one that I look at and go, you handle him differently from Lafreniere. Because uh, I think Lafreniere has got the moxie and he's got a little bit more maturity to him. I think Kako's growing into that. I'm telling you, Ranger fans, if you give up on Kapo Kako right now, you're going to regret it. Uh, the stock is low, yeah. and like most stocks are right now. Yeah. But 
And at the, at the beginning of the year, when he wasn't scoring goals, he was still generating turnover after turnover after turnover. So, I mean, it, at least he's on the four check on that. So I would yeah, still. This is this is the big thing for me. I mean, he was he was skating circles around guys like Montour and Nurse, who are, are, are pretty good skaters. Um, I, I, I do blame David Quinn. I, I blame the way that the organization has handled him. The biggest thing for me that I'm seeing with the organization that there are a lot of prospects that are coming in that are having trouble with their skating. And mm-hmm. their skating is not good enough. Lafreniere, Kako. When do they start addressing the skating across the board with whatever they're doing or whoever they're sending their prospects to uh, for, for skating lessons? Because yep. it, it's just it's not working right now. It's not. Because – I've said this before about different sports like baseball. I've said this when you're not even seeing the players that you're scouting. And we talked about this on the prospect show, one of three prospect shows that we had that day. But um, when you're not seeing the players you trade away go and flourish, then there's the problem, the coaching you're doing, or is it your scouting or is it your Italian evaluators? It could be a combination of all three. Look, Anthony Declare is the guy that's putting it all together right now that the Rangers got rid of, uh, obviously, uh, Pavel Buchnevich as well. There you go. There's another one. Why, yeah. yeah. Why is, why is Lucas Raymond not struggling with it? And and he was playing in, in, in a similar level league in the SHL. I mean, Liga and, and the SHL are, are very close in terms of level of talent and competition. Well, so, you know, Mort Sider, another one, SHL guy. And he, he was a monster in the SHL. He came over and now he's playing well. It To me, all these guys are better skaters than guys like Kako and Lafreniere. And that's the biggest thing. Tim Stutzla had a good year last year for Ottawa. And, and the biggest thing about Tim Stutzla is that he's a great skater. He's a great skater. There's, there's another issue, too. And that's when we saw... Capo Caco in those world championships, he was the most confident he ever was. Yeah. And when you're playing with that much confidence, you're willing to do things that, that, that are there. And I, and David Quinn ended up being the absolute wrong coach for this kid. And then Lafreniere comes into a team that was expecting to make a playoff run and, Neither him or Kako got a whiff of power play one. I keep talking about that. When we look at players and go, oh, well, can they do this? Well, they play in power play one. Then that's where you paid your stats. You paid your stats on the power play. Everybody can always say that. But, you know, I just, I, I, I can't, I can't help but say that enough. Those things hinder development. Lucas Raymond's getting power play one time. Tim Stutzel's getting power play one time. We can go through all the list of all the players that are going. They're getting power play time. That's where you grow your confidence and get and get more excited. Now, by that theory, Kako should have taken off after the Phoenix game or the Arizona game back in December because he had a power play goal and a two-goal game that day. Well, no, it, it's not that. You, you can't just pin everything on one game or one moment. That's why, you know, yeah. when I – I'm I, I I'm happy. Oh yeah, Capo's hurt now. Yeah, he's hurt now. Yeah, but what I'm saying is that a, a lot of people were sitting there and my rookie of the year. Yeah, you know, a lot of people were sitting there and 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 kind of dumping on Lafreniere for that shootout goal. I'm turning around and saying 
you know, maybe maybe this could be a confidence booster for him. But yep. realistically, one goal, one play is not always going to be the confidence booster. It's a stretch. You've got to you've got to be doing this consistently. You got to be going out there and having consistent good shifts to build on. And Lafreniere and Kako haven't given the efforts that the team has asked for, and and I'm fine with acknowledging that. But I'm also fine with acknowledging the fact that this organization is doing something terribly wrong with these kids. Um, Dave, I'm going to say this. Duke had a good season with Columbus. Well, the reason why he wasn't in the Rangers organization was because they moved him for Yandel. And the Rangers knew they had Buchnevich waiting in the wings. Um, if, he was, if he was untouchable, they would, he would still be an Eric Ranger. He then goes to Arizona. It doesn't. He, he's streaky in Arizona. Then he goes to Columbus. He's streaky in Columbus. Then he goes to uh, to uh, Chicago. It doesn't really make a dent. Then he goes to Ottawa. He's streaky in Ottawa. He's not streaky in Florida. That's the difference. And it's not the system. I think it's that. I think he's just he's knocking pucks out of midair and and going on breakaways and scoring. Like that's he's just. Sometimes your mental state really helps everything. And every every athlete can tell you when you're now, never mind every athlete, every golfer can tell you that if you're playing golf and you're hitting the ball down the middle of the fairway, you're going to try to, you're going to shoot in the eighties. Yeah. And Svechnikov joined, joined the team that made the Eastern conference finals. I, I, I think it's a little different for, um... there was a spot for him. Yeah, there was a spot for him, and there was a spot for Haskinen. Uh, uh, Haskinen, uh, we definitely saw good from Haskinen, but he didn't... like that playoff run two years ago. No, Haskinen it was the was... playoff run last year. The bubble, I meant. Yeah, the 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 uh, well, no, he had Haskinen had the big run when he was a point per game. I think it was last uh, postseason. They didn't make the playoffs last year. Oh, that's right. It was the bubble, 2020. Yeah, that's right. the bubble. 26 points in 27 games. He was just under a point per game. So, yeah. And the- <laughs> oh, wait. I just started reading this one from Steven. I have to. If... Yeah, <laughs> all right. I saw the girlfriend's one. Yeah. yeah, if all your ex-girlfriends are terrible, then just maybe you're the problem. Same with the Rangers and the prospects. And... But also, by the way, if you're making bad choices, dating the wrong girl anyway, then... <laughs> Then it's mutually a bad problem. Well, Capo Caco has improved his skating, Mike. Uh, I mean, it's not as bad as it was when he first came over. But, you know, I, I just. Here's the thing, and I, I see David's comment here. If Quinn was as bad as everyone says, then him being coach essentially delayed. Well, it, it is. It, that is the case. And it's also the case because. I think someone was breathing down his neck trying to get this team to play well and, and, and be a playoff team instead of actually um, embracing a rebuild because Quinn was coaching like his life depended on it every damn game. And that's why these kids weren't getting the time that they should have been getting. So now that you dealt Butchnevich, now you're depending more on Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere to be big-time point producers, and they're not ready for that because they hadn't gotten the opportunity under Quinn. So, and he, also they were one. The they were one year less in their development, technically, than Vitaly Kratsov was. So, 
ideally you wanted Kratzoff to step up and we could go I mean, on with that for a little bit, but still. But that that's the problem though. You you just you put them in a bad position and you didn't give them enough time. You didn't give them the right amount of time. David Quinn never put the those players in the right position to succeed. He never put them on the power play. He never put them in top six minutes. Mm-hmm. These other guys are getting top six minutes and they're getting chances to adjust every night. But in New York, that can't happen because we got to win, win, win. And that's going to be the issue. Like, we're, we're, we're happy that they're winning right now. Yes. But my concern will always be the development of the kids over winning. And that's why I would have been okay with last year losing again and this year losing again. Because that was the plan. Because that should have been the plan. Full-on rebuilds do not take two years. They don't. This has not been a full-on rebuild. They accelerated it. They compromised it. So And so, again, going with what you're saying, in a way, if David Quinn was a a sixth-place team, they didn't make that run towards the playoffs the year before. They didn't make it into the bubble, but they gave Capococco uh, time, end up winning the lottery, and Stephen makes a great argument on uh, Wardy NHL Rangers review that the Rangers might have been better off not winning the lottery. Then David Quinn is still the coach because he prioritized development over winning, and Ryan Strom doesn't blossom with the champion Panarin. Because that's also part of the problem, too. They well, put well, Ryan Str- The biggest thing, and as much as people don't want to hear this, is that, Art- and I've said this before, and I stand by it, bringing in Artemi Panarin changed everything. Yep. Everything. Because now you have an elite player, and I get it, you have to sign him 10 out of 10 times. Because there's when an elite player wants to come here and produce the way that he's produced. And he did, he Islander fans. And and he, he did. But... That changed their entire window. Now you have to accelerate that window. And then Mika Zibanejad, obviously, becoming the player that nobody thought that he'd become or the player that people thought that he would have been as a prospect but underwhelmed for years at the NHL level and now all of a sudden became that player because he figured out that, hey, I have to really work in the offseason. You know what? He he changed everything. It, It the window had to be accelerated. So now they're trying to further accelerate this window, and now they don't have time to give Capo Capo and Alexi Lafreniere, um, you know, 15 to 20 minutes a night and let them develop normally like these other guys, like Lucas Raymond, like Moritz Sider, like Trevor Segris. You know, those teams have the ability to do it because they're not up, they're not trying to win in the next two, three, four years. So. And. Uh, we're going to take it about another 10 minutes because I believe the Rangers are playing tonight, right? They're, they're, I can't no, believe I'm saying that a lot. Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. I forgot what night this was. So, <laughs> all right. So, we're going to have to worry about that. Uh, yeah, we're going to take it another 10 minutes to 7 o'clock because uh, there's a lot of work I still have to get done for this. But, um, but, um, but again, like some water, water finds its own level, and I, 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 I agree with what Phil says. That shootout uh, play, Gerard Gallant 
looking to Lafreniere, and he knows, Lafreniere knows Quentin Byfield was drafted right after that. I know. <laughs> well, when you're talking for for almost three hours, this is this is what happens. This this is why you guys run a shorter show, and it's it, you, you get less gas. If I get any more gas, you can call me Biden. But stuff like that that accelerates that accelerates what a coach's confidence is. And John Van Beesburg used to say it about his his coach in the mid '80s. Forgot who it was. Like when you get a when you get a coach with confidence in you, you can't help but just play better. Yeah, I mean, and it and it it, it really speaks to a point. I mean, that's why it's it's great that you highlight the whole Malhotra Muckler dynamic because it obviously it killed him. But yeah. um, you got to handle these guys in the right way, and they just haven't done so, and that's that's a big part of it. But. What I'm trying to say is that this is not a normal rebuild. There are some extenuating circumstances that have obviously accelerated the expectations towards this team. And this team playing as well as they have and winning and everything like that and being near the top of the league has now further bolstered their expectations. Now the expectation is to win a Stanley Cup within the next uh, anywhere from three to five years. I like this one. Uh, three years from now, how do you rank Miller, Nils, Schneider, Jones, Robertson? Uh, going from top to bottom. Going from yeah. top to bottom. I'm going to go Schneider one. I'm going to go Nils two. I'm going to go Jones three, Robertson four, and I'm going to go Miller five. Wow. Miller all the way to five. I have some very legitimate concerns about Keandre Miller. Which I heard. Um, uh, the thing with Keandre Miller that concerns me the most is the fact that I think that he could um, end up being like Brady Shea now, not rookie Brady Shea, but Brady Shea now, and that's that's a gigantic concern for me. Um, the offense could not come, and he ends up being maybe a fifteen to uh, maybe twenty point guy at most, and the defense is just kind of not there at all. So he ends up being more of a bottom pair puck moving type guy. And again, he's another one tools, but I, I, I don't see the toolbox with it. And that's why if they can move him for Chikrin now, I would, I would pull the trigger on it. And I wouldn't think twice. Hmm. Um, also because you can, like I said before about the declare thing, when you have other prospects in the pipeline to fill the hole, you're going to leave. That's what makes guys less untouchable. Uh, um, David, I, I, I don't think Miller's potential is higher than any of them. I, I, I think Braden Schneider has an even higher ceiling than he does. Who do you think Braden Schneider could develop into? I, I, I thought it was crazy when I heard someone first say this, but if he can improve his shot, and his shot's pretty good right now, but if he can improve his shot and he, he can get to the point where he, he gets some sort of power play time, Shea Weber. Wow. Okay. I was hoping you were going to say uh, Alex Petrangelo, but no. Uh, I, 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 I think he could – he reminds me uh, – he plays that type of way of hockey. That's just the game that I, I, I don't think he's going to get to that level. But I, 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 the style of play reminds me of Shea Weber. Yeah. Um, by the way, going, uh, 
Thanks, Mike. No, no, it's it's Wednesday. I forgot all about that. Um, I do have a couple of distractions going on today. Uh, very few coaches will pick developing over winning. Well, yeah, but that's what his job was. It was to develop and teach them how to win, but also to develop them. And I, sometimes, I, I, I... no, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say sometimes when you saw the comeback ability of the Rangers, you took that as a good thing, but. They would come back after being digging themselves a huge hole. Yeah, ahead, I, I I totally agree. I, I just think that there might have been some sort of and – and I'll give Quinn a little bit here that I think that there was definitely something going on back there because for, for Dolan to make those sweeping changes tells me that there might have been discussions that we were not privy to. So um, I'm going to disagree with you here, David. Uh, I don't think Miller can become one of those. I don't know if Miller has the the offensive instincts to be a top-level point producer. And I, I really do worry about the defense. I, I mean, he's continuously making mistakes that defenders in Peewee and Bantam don't make. Like, Do you think Miller could possibly be, and not to, again, compare him with the same guy, but could be like uh, – uh, Andy Duclair, who it took time for him to develop. Could be like that. Anthony Duclair was also a third round pick, like a third or fourth round pick. So. Right. That worked his way up. But like Chris is saying right now, Miller's going to have to reinvent himself. And if he reinvents himself, then he's in project level. And projects, they could either work out great or they could be Filipino. Yeah. Miller Miller plays like he's five foot eight. Um, he reaches too much, he stick waves too much. Uh, and, and he doesn't use his size nearly enough, and that's something that it's it, it, it's in there. It's in there. You have to you have to have that mentality to go play the body. Schneider has the mentality to play the body, and that's why I, I I'm not sure if Miller's defense ever ever works out in the NHL. Miller is going to be great on the Coyotes. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I didn't see which one you uh, put up for core. Um, well, no, it was this one. Miller plays like he's 5'8". All right, there it is. All right. Yeah. My microphone's blocking my, my view of that. Yeah. Um, going for another four more minutes. Well, hold, this is somewhat true, but apparently Ryan Spooner has been nailed down by everyone else. Uh, Spooner came over, was good under AV. Yeah, I, I mean, he was a little game. Yeah. So... Um, Chris G. Yeah, they they said at first Nemeth was ba- banged up and then left to personal reasons. Listen, if Nemeth is going through something, I hope he's okay. But I'm not gonna lie; it's odd that they said he was banged up at first and now there's personal reasons. So uh, it, it just comes off very weird to me. Could Patrick Nemeth be um, Stefan Kintal 2.0? I mean. They were both really, really bad. And and then just Stefan Cantal whined his way out of New York. Well, Stefan Cantal had every right to not want to be in New York at that time. The, the, the situation was a mess. It was an absolute mess. So, um, Right, but is yeah. it a mess? Then didn't you sign on to, to be the solution? Well, yeah, but... I, I there was. I remembered his comment. If they could send me back to Montreal, I would take it right now. Okay. Ooh-hoo. Okay. So then, 
Give us the money. And then was Bobby Holy wrong in saying what he said about the country club mentality and that everything needed to change? No, that's right. Okay, so then that that, that then he was onto something. Then obviously, Kintal. and that right. team was a mess, and it was proven because they didn't make the playoffs for seven straight seasons. Can't yeah. argue with it. <laughs> I I mean. It just, it's, you can't get on Kintal for that comment, especially when Holik also said something like that. There was an obvious problem. Um, yeah, I, I get this, Johnny, but the problem is, is that you're also looking, you're also looking at, and this is actually a great point for Steven. I didn't even know Jones played center until he was 15. If Jones hasn't played center until, he, if Jones played center until he was 15, why is he having so much success when Keandre Miller is not? Keandre Miller players. Problem. Different players. And again, it's the different mentalities that they could I all know. have. The problem is for me is that Keandre Miller does not play like a defenseman should play. Thank you, Chris, again. We appreciate that. He made a donation last night as well, so thank you very much. Yes. Appreciate it. But um, I, 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 I'm kind of with Mike here. If they're not going to trade Miller, send Miller down and let him work in Hartford. He needs to develop some sort of confidence, and he needs to really work with him on a daily basis. And, and Jones is better than Miller at this point. Jones in limited play has shown that he's better than, than this, or than Miller. I, I, let's I, not forget, every- Jones played in that – the limited times we got to see Jones – he played in that game versus Tampa Bay and looked fantastic and then was paired up with Hayek versus Vegas and Hayek just got walked by Matthias Yamark. Yeah, he got walked by Matthias Yanmark, which was really, really bad. Um, I, you know what? I have nothing against Matthias Yanmark, but um, you can't... I know, because he'd be one of those guys that won as a third-line center. Yeah, I mean, Joe and, and Stevens right here. Jones outplayed Miller in college at the at the World Juniors and in the NHL. You know, and albeit it's a small sample size, but Keandre Miller has had the same problems at every level. He had the same problems in college. He had the same problems at the World Juniors. He's had the same problems in the NHL, and they haven't been addressed. They haven't been addressed. He still reaches. He still plays to far a far smaller game than he is. He still makes the same defensive blunders. And in the World Juniors, it was more apparent because he had two terrible World Juniors in a row. And I, I tried to brush it off and say, you know what? It's a small sample size. It's a tournament. He'll improve. But he's still making the same mistakes, and they aren't getting any better. Uh, and you know what? For me, I'm not going to sit there and take the chance. If I have a chance to trade him for Jacob Chikrin, I'm doing it. I'm doing it because the probability of – of Keandre Miller becoming what Jacob Chikrin is even in a year that's not last year is very small. The probability of him becoming what Jacob Chikrin was last year, microscopic. Uh, David, no, it's not that Jones is untouchable, but you would rather not move a prospect like him when you don't have to. I mean, when someone's considered Adam uh, Adam Fox Jr., I think somebody said one time, or an Adam Fox type of player, you're going to look at him a little bit more. Yeah, and and Jones, I, I think Jones is ready now. 
I, 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 from what I've seen from Jones, he can handle it. And I listen. I know Keandre Miller played on second pairing minutes as opposed to Jones playing in third pairing minutes. But would Jones and Schneider really hurt this team as much as Jones or uh, Nemeth and Hayek or Nemeth and Schneider or something? Hayek is like the eighth or ninth best defenseman in this system. In the, yeah, in the entire organization. In the entire organization, at best. I don't think they get Shikran either, but if they if you told me that Keandre Miller in a first round pick got oh, a dog, I'll get I that one. It. I would do it. And I got gone. The, I, I got the spam bot. Oh, you did? All right, I got it at the same time. Yeah. Which... Yeah, and I'm I'm with you, Joe. I, I, I would I would rather see Zach Jones play there. And I, I disagree with you here, David. I, I, I think Jones has been far better than Miller and Reunion at the NHL level. And, yeah, obviously they're better than the two of those guys. But I, I think Jones has shown that he's far better than those other guys. And I'll try it for him since we're going to be – we're actually past seven, so we'll go a couple more minutes. But I'll try to get this for Steven. Let me know how I do. Reunion. No, I think I rolled the R a little bit too much. Reunion? No. No, I – Reunion. Oh, Reunion. I thought Reunion looked good when he was up here briefly last year. He looked okay, but I, I think Jones looked significantly better. So. Grant's on that one right there. What do you think is the third former first-round pick in the Rangers offer to uh, for Chikrin? Oh, thanks, thanks, David. I, I think I think that would probably be Kravtsov, either Hedl or Miller, or and a first-round pick, and that's what they wanted. It's not the. It's not three former first round picks. It's it's three players that are equivalent of a first round value. That's what they were talking about. And yeah, and I, I'm I'm with Joe on this one. I, I think they probably asked for Schneider, but the Rangers probably were like, nah, do like, yeah. get, get yeah. lost. Yeah, there's. A, I uh, I think we're gonna look at that draft pick in a few more years, and say JD made the right move if he yeah. didn't do it already. Um, wait, wait, yeah, this, this, you get the spam bots because I want to make sure I don't accidentally delete somebody. Um, Mike, you're right on this one. A traffic cone is better than Patrick Demeth. Actually, I'll go even worse. Ilya Kovalchuk on defense is better than Patrick Demeth. Yeah, Patrick Demeth is just bad on defense. It's just, he, he will, he's just not good it, if he, if he's going through something, like I said, I, I feel for him at that point, and I hope he's all right, and I hope everything works out in the end for him. But I again, I just I, I feel like something's up, considering the fact that they said he was banged up at first, and then a day later it comes out that he's that he's leaving for personal reasons. I I, I don't know, something just doesn't seem right. So, but you know what? Let's let's see what Zach Jones can do now. I, I, I'm done with Libor Hayek, even though he had a, a decent game the other night against LA. Let me see what Zach Jones can do. We know what Libor Hayek is. Libor Hayek is not going to get any better. He, he's he's just done. We we've seen enough from Libor Hayek. Let's see Zach Jones in that lineup. Federal play yeah. defense in Detroit, Chris G. Not not with the Capitals, with with Detroit. Yeah. But also, he was that good defensively. Fedorov was more than good enough defensively. Yeah. 
Better defensive center, Fedorov or Datsuk? Wow. Um, they, I, I don't, I don't know if I could really pick one there because they were, they were that close, they were that good. And Fedorov, remember, only player in NHL history to score 100 points and win the Selkie Trophy in the same season twice. Mm-hmm. He's also the only player to score 50 goals and win the Selkie Trophy in the same year. So he played at a level of two-way hockey that we will probably never see ever again. Pavel Datsuk is the only player to win the Selkie Trophy in back-to-back years with 90-point seasons. So, By the way, just to address the Jones-Schneider combination, you could win a Stan- I've said this a long, a long time. You could win a Stanley Cup with a rookie goaltender coming in late in the season because usually they don't know what it takes to win a cup and they just kind of go on muscle memory, if you will. But I don't think you win with two rookie defensemen in your lineup. And the Rangers are going to have, just looking at Stevens, 55-23, so you're looking at about three to four years right there. Um, 27 and 8. I'm blanking on 27. Who's 27? Nils Lundqvist. That's it. So then you'd have three up in there. <laughs> and he scored Anna Kovacova. He yeah, scored Anna Kovacova. Well, that was after Pavel Bore, too. Yeah. Or in, in, he was, Pavel Bore was actually in between Sergei Fedorov twice, if I recall correctly. Uh, I'm not exactly sure of what the the timeline is on that, but she made her way around. So, yeah. Um, yeah, Jones and Barron, I would I would love to see them both in the lineup regularly. Um, and David, no, I don't think Lafreniere is trade bait if Hoffman comes up. I, I just don't see that happening. And Chris, you're right about this. Okay, so Biddington and Murray, because there's been a list of guys that came in late in the season and and did this. Usually guys that start a season can do that. But you can't do that with, with rookie defensemen. I would love if Steven's right and we're seeing Nils. Hopefully in the future, that lineup that you put up in here, 55, 27. I forgot Nils was 27. So um, I would love it if that's their lineup come next year and years to come. If they're going to compete in the playoffs this year, you need at least one more veteran in there. You can get away with, I think, possibly two rookie defensemen. I don't think you get away with three. Yeah, I'm not... If they're going to win. If they're going to win. I, I think they would go out and probably get a, a veteran defenseman if that's just me. But I, I think I think they would probably go with somebody like Giordano there. I, I would I would love to see personally, if they're going to keep Miller, I would like to see Miller and Truba be the third pairing and then have Giordano and Schneider as the second pairing behind uh, – Fox and Lindgren, so. Johnny was talking about the games that they got coming up that are pretty tough. They got Columbus. I think the Rangers should handle them. Yeah. They got Minnesota. That's going to be an interesting night. It's going to be a tough one. I'm going to say Minnesota. They might lose because it's a pregame ceremony game, and we all know how well those those go over. Seattle, then Florida. Okay. So if you're two and two going into the break, that's okay. That's okay. And I say the break loosely, but then they get their week off. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Bruins, they're home for the Bruins, home for Detroit. 
at Ottawa, who's playing a lot better now. You worry about that. And then Washington. And then finally, February 26th, Phil. That's, that's the first time the Rangers see the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that's not a, uh, a schedule that's that's been reschedule. That's that's been the original schedule. Chris G, who who said that he would play the left here too? I'm not sure who you're referring to. Is that Giordano? I, I, is he referring to Giordano? Because I think he's referring Giordano to Giordano. Position. Giordano is a side defense. But. See, I would actually consider watching Jimmy Fallon for five minutes. Chris, who are you talking about? I, I, I'm not sure who you're talking about because I don't, I don't know. I, I don't. Nobody said anything about putting Giordano on the uh, right side. Oh, Mills Longquist. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I he said that he would play the left. I don't, I don't get why they have to have him on the right side. I, I, that that's an organizational thing. Yeah. Um, forgot. I think Don Cherry said it. Where he's like, when did we decide that if you're right-handed shot, you got to play on the right side, and you're left-handed shot, you got to play on the left side? Felk, worst contract. Um, Brendan Smith or Patrick Nemeth? Brendan Smith, just because of the AAV and the term. Yeah, but at least Brendan Smith helped at least find a way to contribute after his first bad season. Well... I, I mean, he was a better player, but the, you're just you're talking contract. I mean, it's mm. it's got to be Smith. The the contract itself was bad for the life of it. Brendan Smith was terrible. And right, but at least he found a way to contribute. I, I don't know if I see that on Nemeth. I don't even know if they're, they're going to get anything on Nemeth. I if I, I mean, sure, Smith contributed something, but his AAV was atrocious. He was making over four million. And for half of that, I thought it was at four million. Yeah. More, he was a scratch. And in Hartford, like, do are we forgetting about this? I guess we did. I I don't understand. You see, I, I I that's what I hated about when when people were talking about oh Brendan Smith, Brendan Smith. You weren't crying for Brendan Smith when he showed up to training camp out of shape and overweight and everything. Yeah, you weren't crying about him in 2018, 19. And then he was bad in 2020 as a forward and as a defenseman. They didn't even want to play him on defense in 2020 because of the fact that he was terrible at the position. So the only time they played him on defense was on the penalty kill. Um, Phil, by the way, before we even think about signing off, I got to address the table that you put up in here. Um, by the way, bit of uh, NHL news to break. Jeff Carter signs a two-year extension with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Full new move clause. 3.125 AAV or million AAV because he's been a good fit in Pittsburgh. All right, but this is the one you had. The it's is the analytics of goalies uh, goals saved above average expected. and goals saved above expected. Yeah. Henrik Lundqvist out of goals saved above expected was 277.94. Goals saved above average, 119.73. The next highest player in goals saved above expected was John Gibson, 93.16. Yeah. 
almost 200 more. The competition. Like if this was Mario six more years. If 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 this was Mario Kart, Henrik Lundqvist would have lapped around everybody twice. (laughs) And the the purple shell wouldn't have stopped him. No, the blue shell would have not stopped Henrik Lundqvist. That's how good Henrik Lundqvist has been. And that's why Henrik Lundqvist is far and away the greatest goaltender of his generation. I don't want to hear anything about Carey Price. I get it. Carey Price had a good year and a half. And he won that MVP in the Vezina in 2015. That's a great year. It's one of the better years we've seen in quite some time. But Henrik Lundqvist was the golden standard for, let's just say, 12, 13 years. That's it. There's no argument to it. And those numbers right there show you it. Because Henrik Lundqvist, for his career, went from playing behind a top pairing of Michael Roosevelt and Marek Malik to a top pairing of Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi to Ryan McDonough and Dan Girardi to Ryan McDonough and Kevin Shattenkirk, who did not play well with Ryan McDonough. To I mean, it, it just to, to Adam Fox, I, I mean... He didn't have great defensemen in front of him. And then the units in front of him were not all great. Ryan McDonough held up Dan Girardi for years. Mm-hmm. Lundqvist beat Price head-to-head in the playoffs in 2017. And Lundqvist had a worse team in front of him in 2014 than Price did in 2014. Montreal was a better team in 2017 on paper than the Rangers were. And Lundqvist still beat Price and stole that series for the Rangers. Really? All right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. I mean, I still say Dimitri Emelin changed that series up Alexei incredibly. Like Emelin. Oh, who fucking cares? <laughs> oh, Whatever. Alexei Emelin. I always have to look it up every single time because all, all I know is he tripped Chris Kreider. And it's, oh, Kreider went in feet first. Yeah, he got tripped, idiots. He's trying to gain his balance. Yeah, and then you could you could literally there's a see the stick you bending, see the stick flex like crazy. Justin, Justin Evelyn. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Justin Emelin. Oh my God! I'm so glad Justin made a comeback in the in 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 this night. I, I didn't think it was gonna be. Is he gonna sing "Baby, Baby, Baby Ooh" while tripping Chris Kreider? <laughs> I mean. I I still I, I kind of I could see it being close. I don't know about Montreal being better. I mean, it's not like Rene Bork did anything outside of his game five hat trick. The Rangers had the better roster in 2014, hands down. Montreal had a better team than the Rangers in 2017, and Carey Price was healthy, and still they lost. Yeah, I mean Mika Zibanejad wasn't there yet. Chris Kreider was. Chris Kreider back then, inconsistent, shows up for spots. Uh, Derek Stepan was on his way out. I mean, he just was a 50-point This is 2017. Yeah. Rick Nash was not Rick Nash anymore. He was done. He was cooked by that point. I mean, Ryan McDonough, yeah, it was great, but he was – was he Ryan McDonough of 2012 to 2014? I'm so glad that, by the way, I was waiting for somebody to say this, especially on the weekend when you honor him. Go ahead. Click Mr. Syntastics, uh one. 
that should yeah I don't know about terrible last three games last three games no he had one bad period he had bad period in game five and I'm not even sure how much of that's really on him I'd have to watch those highlights again but the Rangers the got back Gold to even yeah the Henry Gold should have never counted I, I I've seen quicker whistles for worse than that and uh, how could the referee have had sight of that puck there when it was no in between his legs What's now, up? by the way, the guy that blamed for that is Dan Girardi, who went around the net and left Henry all yeah, by himself. Yeah, Dan Girardi is also uh, just well, – I'm not I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. I love Dan Girardi. Game four was not bad. Game four wasn't that great. But game five, they tied the game, and then they left Ryan Carter all alone in front. Game, game six, he was sensational. Like, I – I wrote an article at the time for um, HockeyTickets.com. Well, hold on. This. This. the There are two playoff series that I will ever lay an ounce of blame on Henrik Lundqvist for. This yeah. one right here, because he was horrendous against Tampa Bay during that regular season. And I said that they stood, should have started Cam Talbot against him. But I got flack for that because how do you do that? Well, Gee, I don't know. When you give up 18 goals in four regular season games to a team, they probably have your number. It's but not just one or two games. Four regular season games, he gave up 18 goals. But he was sensational against them in game one. He was bad in game two, bad in game, bad in game three. Good in game four. Good in game five. Great in game six. And he let up, I think, four in that game, I think. I, I don't think he Might was great three. in game six. He was really good in game one. He was really good in game seven. He was terrible in games two and three. Um, he, he just he wasn't himself in that series, and he was the reason they lost in in, in that that overtime game. Kucherov should have never scored from that far out on that shot. No, and and Henrik will probably be the first one to tell you that. By the way, if you start Cam Talbot in 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 the in that playoff. Uh, not that not that one particular game. You do you start Cam Talbot for one. If he won, you go and until you Cam Talbot up. loses. Yes, that's what exactly. you do, and you let it be known to to, yeah. to Hank on that. And that's what I'm saying. But if with, if if Hank wasn't in the Washington series, they're out and they're out in five. I, I yes, I I get that. But against Tampa Bay, with those numbers and the way that they absolutely had his number, try it, experiment with it, and then you go. Uh, I'm sorry. But music's is right. They lost that game two nothing. They didn't show up in game seven. Especially they lost their last two games. They they scored more goals in Tampa than they scored at Madison Square Garden. By a you wide margin. By by a wide margin. You can't have that. Yeah, you can't be it. the home team and, and have no home home ice advantage. No, and I, I I totally get that. I agree. I, I, I put that on A V more than I put that on Henrik Lundqvist. I'm is with it, you there. I'm not faulting the player on that. And I actually thought he had a great game six. It, it, that was the Broussard hat trick. And they, they should have they should have won multiple cups. And by the way, Johnny, you're 100% right on this one. Um, Activate my mouse. Get it over there. Goal differential was zero in this series. Wow. 20 to 21 to 21. And, and, and the only reason why it was zero in that series is because of the game six explosion. Yeah. Well, I mean, Broussard hat trick. They were they were good in Game Four, but they should have won the Cup in 2014. They lost by three goals. 
all in overtime. Game two shouldn't have gone to overtime. Game no. five shouldn't have gone to overtime. No. No, so right, right there, you look at it, a 3-2 series lead coming back home for a team that beat a 3-1 uh, lead already. This is correct, but I'm sorry. Lundquist wasn't himself against Tampa, and he wasn't himself against Ottawa in 2017. That's the other series where I will say that Henrik Lundquist was not himself, and it cost it. But, caveat, A.V. also cost them in 2017. There we go. Big time. Big time. Because you cannot put Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi out there against Ottawa trying to hold a lead when you have Ryan oh, no, McDonough and Brendan Smith all playing really good hockey. Oh, no, he put McDonough and, Gir- and Girardi out there for the last two and a half minutes. No, it was it was Stahl and Girardi was that they Stahl got Girardi? on multiple times in that series. And the other combination was Stahl and Holden. Yeah. I mean, how do you sit Brady Shea in a two-goal game? When him when and Brady Smith Shea, played well. Yeah, he, that was the game where he had the two goals. Yeah. Yeah, like you you, you, you had Brady Shea there, and you, you just oh. – anyway, By the way, you're right about goal. 2015, Johnny. Um, I still say Matt Zuccarell wearing ear guards would have saved the Rangers' Stanley Cup. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, – That's the biggest thing. McDonough took out two players on on his own team in like a two-month span. Sam, what was the other one? No, it was, Mc, it was uh, Lundquist and Zuccarello. Oh, that's right, because he lifted stick, the stick. His stick, got, his stick got Lundquist. But then again, and, and again, it's Henrik Lundquist, and I agree with you, Cor. Uh, Henrik Lundquist was the reason why that, that team competed at such a high level. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I am, I am, Cam Talbot has proved that he's not exactly a Stanley Cup goaltender. Maybe, no, maybe, but... maybe he would have been Matt Murray. Maybe he would have been Matt Murray, won us a, won, won the Rangers Stanley Cup. Then we end up thinking, oh no, we got to figure out which one to do. But there's still fans that think that Talbot is the one they should have capped. No, that, that's, that's not the case. Uh, but I, I will say that they should have started that series with Cam Talbot against Cam. I, 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 there's nothing. Even after, even after long. No, if you want to do it in Game Three, you go back to him in Game Three. But okay, uh, okay, then fine, uh, then fine. All right, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll be with that. Okay, after they lose that, oh, the, the, after, after the Game Three loss. Then you know what you probably could have brought Cam Talbot in, and but then it, but then how do I explain Game Four when Hank was better in that game? Yandel has a goal for God's sakes. Um, I wonder about that all the time, Core. And, and this is another factor too. McDonough was playing with a broken ankle in in 2015, and his treatment didn't take. Yeah. So I mean, he 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 really he really trooped through that series. So uh, I, I gotta I gotta give him a lot of credit for playing through that, but, and he still played somewhat well despite it. They just did not have an answer for the triplets line. They didn't. No the triplets line was just too much for them. Kucherov, uh, Johnson, and Palat. No. And, and that that was just horrible. All right, uh, we actually went 24 minutes over, but guys, we're going to sign it off right now. Um, as usual, thanks for joining us every single week. Uh, it's great to have you guys. Um, 
Steven, when do you guys record, by the way, this week? Or did, did you record yesterday? Uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't even... No, it might be today or tomorrow. But, oh, is this a new one? Jake Hanks? Jake Hanks? No, Jake Hanks has been in here a bunch of times before. Oh, okay, so by the way, Wardy NHL Review is going to record tomorrow. Look for Steven there. And... And, yeah, it's uh, probably get another final buzzer tomorrow. Working on a theme song no, for the final. final. Final buzzer is not going to be tomorrow. It, um, I'm not even sure if I'll be able to do it. For, actually, you know what? I might try to do it tomorrow night after the game because uh, I'm going to Hank night Friday, so I don't think I'll be able to do it Friday. Yeah, I got to get you more business cards, too. Um, but that's I have a different story. Over. All right. But I mean, I need to give you, like, 500. <laughs> Um, all right, but guys, once again, thanks for joining us. Uh, look for, I'm going to be doing a list for the top 10 video hockey video games of all time. Uh, there's not going to be any honorable mentions. I'll be honest with you because hockey's got, I'll say nine, maybe eight, eight great games. And then I had to force another two in there. So, um, actually, yeah, did you were invited for Hank Knight to go there, right? Uh, yeah, by a friend. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm very lucky. Yes. I was trying to, and uh, nah, it just wasn't going to happen. Who starts versus Columbus? I think that one's easy. That's Georgiev. It's got to be Georgiev. If there's anything we've learned, I think so far, what we've seen is... Um, Gallant starts the backup on the road. He'd rather have his starters start at home in a back-to-back. That's just the way it looks. So okay, uh, he did it opening night. He did it the other night versus Carolina. It did make more sense for Carolina, but however you want to do that. Let's go Sharks. By the way, one nothing Sharks over the Capitals. All right. By the way, the Capitals dropping back. I mean, the Capitals could finish in fourth place. How would yeah, how would you like to be? Yeah, how would you like to be the 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 Penguins winning the division? The Penguins gonna win the division, guys. It just I just I I look at the Penguins. I, I I just helplessly just say they're gonna win the damn division. Then it's gonna be Penguins Capitals. So one of them has to win instead of choking in the first round. Carolina has fifty eight points with thirty nine games played. Carolina mathematically should get it, but then Carolina does. Uh, they had a two-goal lead on the Devils the night after playing the Rangers, and then lose five-four. I'll take Carolina losing. Yeah. All right. So once again, guys, thank you very much. Take a look out for most of uh, some of the other stuff we're putting out, and of course the final buzzer. Filk is in section two twenty-six on Friday night. Shoot him a DM, and uh, yeah, just everybody, let's go Rangers. And uh, why is this division so good? Because it is. It is. Well, like, and it's got a lot of... Johnny Red, thank you very buddy, much. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate yeah, it. Al- always good. Always good having you. And uh, Thank you. Yeah. So next week we'll be talking about the end of the official end of the first half. Talk about the All-Star game and do our power rankings probably for the, for the first half. So, guys, thank you very much. And we'll talk to you soon. Have a great night. Let's go, Rangers.